everybody, and welcome to the Energetic Principles Podcast. I'm your host, Melissa LaFera, an astrologer, tarot consultant, all-around creative from sunny San Diego, California. And this is the 148th episode of the podcast, airing December 26th, 2022. Now, in this episode, I am delighted to welcome back special guest Gray Crawford to join me on the program to do our epic year ahead chat. And this time around, obviously, it is the astrology of 2023. Now, Gray and I recorded another epically long annual forecast, of course, uh, and we are back in this nearly four hour long program to walk you step by step through all the key action of this coming year ahead. Now, we begin our broadcast with an overview of the major planetary moves, such as Saturn ingressing into Pisces, Pluto dipping into Aquarius, Jupiter in Aries and Taurus, Mercury retrogrades in Earth signs, and Venus retrograde in Leo. We then go on to give you a Cliff's Notes version of the primary themes for each three-part zodiacal season, from solstice to equinox to solstice to equinox. So we do hope that you enjoy this marathon treatment of 2023 and that it helps you strategize the use of your Earth Magician for the year ahead. Now, to connect visually with the astrology as we step through the charts, you can tune into a video version of this episode on YouTube. And if you would like to support this program, feel free to come over to energeticprinciples.com where you can book a personal consultation with me or leave a one-time tip in my tip jar. And you can also sign up for my monthly transit newsletter called The Heavenly Wind. And of course, they'll be going out here at the beginning of January just shortly. And this is also the perfect time of year to book a year ahead consult. So if you want to see how all these major moves are going to be making a play in your chart, come on over to my services page at energeticprinciples.com and you can book a 60 minute consult with me. All right. So who is ready to hear all about the astrology of 2023? Here we go. Now let's meet our guest. All right. It is that time of year, or should I say the end of year, when uh, I invite Gray Crawford back on the program to talk about the year ahead astrology. So today we are going to be talking about all all about the astrology of 2023, which, um, yeah, it's it's going to be a lot. Buckle up, get a get a tea, get a get a coffee, whatever you need, because this is probably going to be a lengthy episode. So thanks for joining me again, Gray, uh, to do the year ahead. Yeah, I'm excited. It's nice. Yeah, we've done. This is the fourth. We've already done three. This is the fourth, I think. Fourth. fourth Did we do 2019 or did we start with 2020? Well, 2020, 21, 2022. So this is 2020. That is. Yeah. (laughs) So we're on number, this is a solid, we're on a so, really? solid number four, four year. That's funny. I, th- I thought it was three. It has, this is our fourth year ahead, you know? So someone out there, tip your cup to us because this is a lengthy undertaking. <laughs> um, But it's always fun to look at the year ahead, right? I mean, that's what us astrologers do is we want to know what's coming the best of our abilities, of course. Um, so yeah. we're going to try to figure that out, right, Gray? <laughs> yeah, and I was just thinking about this earlier, how um that 2020 year astrology.com had asked me to write like a year ahead forecast, and they were actually asking me to write a bunch of different articles about a bunch of different kind of like year ahead things. 
And that's the first time I had ever written so many different things for some publication, like looking ahead. And then you asked me to come on here to do that year ahead. And that was the first time I ever went on somebody's like podcast to talk about the year ahead. And that was like, yeah, to for 2020 to be the first one, that was such a, there's so much to um, look at and I was really worried about. And then subsequently, you know, we've done this each year and 2021 and 2022 you know, coming out of everything happened in 2020, just extremely volatile years. And although there's definitely going to be lots of change and new things happening in 2023, I don't have the same, personally don't have the same feeling of looking at this. Just um, Obviously, the state of the world right now is troubling in many ways, including where this year, where as we're recording this one, we, know we already have a major war going on. Um, that being said, as far as just the astrology is concerned and what you can like work with with the astrology, I feel a lot better about this year, about being able to like really make some progress and get some things developing out of all just like the really massive changes the last couple of years. Yeah. Amen to that. Because you know, all those grand conjunctions and those outer planet, you know, the Saturn Uranus square, these are these uh these slow movers are no joke when it comes to, you know, crunching the astrology. So to, to be slowly but surely leaving that influence does seem very uh, hopeful in many respects. And I feel like this year has a lot of signatures for just new beginnings and fresh energy coming in and the opportunity to I don't want to say finally start, but just kind of like, it's, I feel like there's this turn a new leaf <laughs> sort of energy that comes to this year, um, which I know a lot of us are ready for that, you know, in my own life and in client work and just observations, it feels like um, it's, it's time. <laughs> yeah. And, I was thinking yeah. about that too. It's more so than just saying, oh, it's a new chapter or, I mean, it's like a whole new story. Obviously it's connected to the previous stories, but there's a definite big change happening in terms of that. Yeah. Yeah. So to just give an overview of some of the things that are happening here, um, well, maybe I should start great. Tell just in case, you know, I'm hoping people listen to the podcast for a long time, but if they haven't just give a brief background of who who's gray, who are you? <laughs> yeah. So I am a practicing astrologer. Um, my practice is mostly focused on doing natal consultations with people. I really enjoy doing that. Do some horary. I have a site, graycrawford.net with where I'm writing regularly about the transits, sometimes other stuff, usually about like new means and full means and transits. And I also have a Patreon that you can uh, support me through where I um, include writing and um, started more recently putting in some elections and um, sort of electional ritual types of things. And also, I just very recently finally started a YouTube channel, which is a bit ridiculous to say because of how many people have YouTube channels for so long, but I never really, I never had got one going. And so, yeah, I've started doing that and putting videos on Patreon for that too. Some that are just available to that, but I'm going to start doing in the year ahead, um, some public ones and actually get that developing for myself. 
Which is actually a good analogy, I think, for everybody, you know, for somebody else, it's going to be something totally different, but just stuff you've been wanting to do and just maybe it hasn't quite come through yet. There's been so much change happening in the last few years. I know back in 2019 or early in 2019, when I first was looking, not just looking ahead, but realizing I had to like make statements that people were going to be reading about the year ahead. Um, besides all the Saturn, Pluto and the Aries ingress chart that year and the Saturn, Jupiter and all that, the thing that really um, struck me the most about being kind of worried was that we we're going to go from all that, like Saturn, Pluto, Jupiter, Pluto, Saturn, Jupiter, into this really extended Saturn Uranus time. And that was no joke. I mean, that, that did not go the way I thought it was going to go exactly. I mean, things, a lot of things happened. I did not imagine what happened. But as far as how difficult that's been, it's that happened. And so what's great about this year, the beginning of the year, we're still seeing that play out, but then we really shift into something different happening. And so we're, we're actually finally coming out of that um, into a very um, uh, mysterious alchemical solutio of Saturn-Neptune, which is a whole nother story that's going to be playing out in the years ahead. But it's it's something different. It's not it, the it, same. <laughs> yeah, it is something different. And I will give Gray a plug here before we uh, continue on with our 2023 that uh, he just did a whole presentation on Saturn and Pisces and involving oh, yeah. the Neptune uh, conjunction um, that will eventually be coming. Uh, so, Gray, do you have that for sale? Are you have that up on your website? Yeah, I have a talk I did for NCGR in Philadelphia that people can purchase from my site. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, I watched it. It's highly informative. You're going to want to, I'm sure, for a nominal affordable fee <laughs> it's it's worth it's worth the watch or the listen so definitely yeah, go check you. that out so all right are you ready for this yeah definitely. y'all ready for this do 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 that's what i hear in my head it's like the basketball game starting um all right so 2023 let's uh start with an overview of just some of the significant um astrological uh underworkings that are happening here uh, saturn and pisces as i just mentioned here is absolutely a big one we have pluto dipping its uh subterranean toe into aquarius <laughs> which is big news um we got jupiter that's going to be moving through fully through aries and into uh taurus and on the way we'll make a square to pluto which will be interesting at the zero degrees of fixed signs. And so there's going to be this theme of zero degrees of fixed signs coming back up that has already been happening since the end of 2020. So we'll talk about that. We have the nodes and the eclipses that are going to move from uh, Taurus and Scorpio into Aries and Libra. So cardinal signs. We have Mercury retrograde cycles taking place in all earth signs, which is interesting. I definitely want to pick your brain about that, Gray. And uh, last but not least uh, of the bigger cycles, we have Venus, who's going to retrograde in Leo. Um, so out of all those, out of that lineup, is there one that you think is the, I wouldn't say most important, they're all important, but uh, which do you think is most impactful for 2023? I mean, I, I'd go with Saturn. Um, Saturn going into Pisces because Saturn's been in um, its domiciles of Capricorn and Aquarius for years now. Um, what was that? Like maybe like the 
I want to say it was the very end of 2017 that it went into Capricorn. So like 2018, 2019, yeah. 2020, 2021, Forever. 2022. It's been Saturn in its own sign. And there's always a sequence where we go from because of the way the zodiac set up, we go from Saturn in this Jupiter sign of Sagittarius into this long stretch years of Saturn in its own sign. And then it comes out of that into another Jupiter sign, um, which is Pisces. And it would be this Pisces is a sign that Saturn, you know, just traditionally doesn't have um, any special like quality and although it does rule the um first 10 degrees in one of the decanic rulership schemes but at least like in a sagittarius it's got triplicity jupiter uh, saturn fire signs has a thing then it's in two of its own signs and then it goes into um pisces which is like this very you know obviously watery um nocturnal yin um inward sign and what's so important this year is that Neptune is there. Neptune's just waiting for Saturn. And so as soon as that goes in, we're going to start picking up on the Saturn-Neptune. That Saturn-Neptune alignment comes in exactly um, in 2026 at zero degrees of Aries, which is incredible. This is an incredible, is incredible statement. Yeah. <laughs> and in 2025, they do both go into Aries and they both, they both are at zero Aries and they get within, I think, 13 arc minutes of one another, but they don't exactly come together. But 2025, they basically are, are together and they're really close together at the end of Pisces. They both go into Aries. So um, 2023, especially, they don't get within like 20 degrees of one another. And then 2024, I think they get up to maybe like about 10 or so degrees away from one another. So we'll pick it up a little bit more next year, but this year is going to be just sort of adjusting to that and just going from, you know, Saturn all about, um, I mean, interesting, one of the big things we have out of this time period is, you know, lockdown with around COVID and everything and people being like actually locked down, confined in their homes i mean it's just like the most extreme manifestation of that idea but we would normally just kind of think anyway about saturn like locking things down being about boundaries um defining things going into pisces in any situation it's going to sort of start dissolving all of that control and all of those boundaries and um the idea of the alchemical solutio, uh, it makes me think of, but with Neptune there, it's just amp that's going to be amplified to um, such a degree. And I think positively, it's an incredibly creative aspect. And um, I think that could, there, there will be great um, creative things happening in all, all types of fields. Um I think because it is a Pisces is an inward, you know, cold water sign. Saturn's known as being cold and dry, but it's excessively cold. So that that um, coldness is really amped up. And so, you know, Pisces being the two fish, we have a couple of sides of ourselves. I'm very Pisces. <laughs> and so there, there can be this, um, you know, Saturn coming in there, there, there can be this sort of like downward spiral of um, depression to be working through and lethargy at times. 
but that moistness of Pisces being ruled by Jupiter and Venus, um, Sat Neptune also being there, it's going to start dissolving um, a lot of the places of control and limitation, and things are going to really start, you know, mixing up. They, you know, they talk about um, in ancient texts like spiritual regeneration can't happen um, without water. And the sort of solutio and alchemy is sort of about thing that the thing that's solid for a transformation to happen, it has to dissolve back into like the prima materia, you know, like the, the watery fluid. And what's interesting is the word solution is mm-hmm. like the solution to your problem. When you talk about like a liquid solution, it, that is the solution is, is going into that, that solution of things kind of dissolving. And then at the same time, Saturn there, can bring about like a thickening and a coagulating and things will start stirring and coming out of that. I'm sort of thinking about it maybe on one level, like a kind of cauldron that you're containing things and maybe cooking something in, but that's a bit, that's just a huge change. And um, there's so much that um, I don't, I know we need to be more concise and not take up all the time, but (laughs) you know, Saturn, Neptune and history just really briefly, um, part of that dissolving of orders that happen is there are there's a long history of um revolutions happening and rebellions often that don't often they get shut down and they, they don't go well but as far as the, the classic um you know in the protestant reformation with like martin luther we have like the the peasant war in you know, the 19th century we had these like there are now like almost like peasant revolts we have the russian revolution um Last time we had the Tiananmen Square, that huge revolution that the Chinese, you know, massacred and shut down. But in Soviet Union, there were all these revolutions and, um, you know, Czechoslovakia, Hungary, Poland, um, Berlin Wall came down, that all dissolved. And so it's often driven by um, economic inequities and people dealing with poverty and suffering fraud and build up. And something about that Neptune, I think it can create almost like this tidal wave it can really bring people together connect people in with like the suffering and what's interesting is because we've been dealing that related to the pandemic there's a likely this we're likely to see a lot more stuff like that that building and we we already see that um in iran with the um masamini uh protest which actually have a lot to do with neptune with some charts i've looked at related to that her planetary nodes i mean her lunar nodes are lined up with the planetary nodes of neptune actually and um in china you know people in china are actually protesting already which is kind of unheard unheard of since tiananmen square so you can already see stuff kind of kicking up with that well it's it's interesting because that's is a, a big part of it right you know the saturn focuses on i mean the authority structures but also the limitations within things and pisces brings up like what you're kind of saying uh, connected with um people that may be in a lesser position or uh poverty or general welfare in some way and when i just went back and looked at saturn in pisces just in the 20th century alone it was there was a pretty clear theme of what was going on at least government speaking as far as like the agenda and this is all the time of like from 33 to 37 when they put in 
the Social Security Act, mm-hmm. um, the Alcoholics Anonymous was founded. You know, if that's not Saturday mm. Pisces, I don't know what is. That's a, yeah, that's a good that's a good one. There's um there was the United States versus Butler uh, court uh, case that gave Congress the right to tax and uh, people to spend on general welfare. Um, and in the 60s, from 64 to 65, uh, that's when Medicaid and Medicare came out and, and the great society that LBJ was try- is trying to mm. uh, um, create. Uh, and what I found really interesting with this particular time was actually the Higher Education Act that came out that w- basically was part of the great so- society plan that it was to give opportunities like scholarships and federal aid to people who wanted to go to uh, take part in higher education saying that it wasn't a luxury. It was actually a necessity if that's not Saturn. And so I find it really interesting that we're here going into um, this whole student loan forgiveness thing that's going on in Congress right now, but it's being blocked by people, you know, Republicans in certain States that, you know, feel they're entitled to, the revenue from that. Um, and so, yeah, it's interesting to see where that will go. I I have kind of good feelings about it, just seeing, you know, kind of Saturn and Pisces track record there. Um, civil rights like, stuff too. Yeah, yeah. civil rights stuff, uh, you know, ending legalized uh, racial segregations with the Civil Rights Act. Yeah, um, and the Immigration same- Act to remove discrimination from non-Western immigrants. Like it's, it's, very it's very telling kind of the saturn and pisces story it feels yeah it's like the was it 64 to 60 it's a really creative part of the 60s i know one thing i was i know it's just with like the most famous rock band from the period the beatles it goes from like the beatles as like hard days night beatles and when saturn's leaving pisces there recording sergeant pepper's lonely hearts club band so it's like that whole evolution of the Beatles across that period, which you just saw like in just represent, we could do a whole thing just about uh, the, music the, of, of, Saturn and Pi- of Saturn and Pisces. But yeah. it happens again in the um, mid nineties. Um, we had the fab, well, the, the trio of Nirvana had come in sort of like the Beatles right before um, during Saturn and Aquarius. And um yeah, there's a lot happening, and hip hop was a lot going on there too in the um, mid '90s. But very creative time. Um, with the civil rights, though, yeah, um, I know in the '60s around that, um, one thing I thought was interesting was Mandela had been organizing a lot of stuff, and then he was imprisoned. But then, mm-hmm. when during the Saturn Neptune time, um, something else that was starting to finally end, then which which he'd been fighting against apartheid. And by the time we got to Saturn and Pisces, you know, he was becoming an elected leader. He was like out of prison. Yeah. He got released, I think, around the, a little bit after the Saturn Neptune. And then when he goes into Pisces, he's, um, he's actually elected like elected leader. and they're like, mm-hmm. they're changing like the flag. Um, in the 60s, there were stuff like the Black Panthers formed during um, Saturn and Pisces. It's when like Malcolm X was murdered um selma martin luther king doing selma was yeah. saturn and pisces so just lots of stuff yeah that was another thing is that yeah. that was also pluto uranus and virgo opposite saturn and pisces and then the 90s was also 
Uh, you can't separate that it was Neptune, Uranus, and Capricorn ruled by Saturn and Pisces, which is, you know, there those last two Saturn and Pisces periods had these really major outer alignments at the same time. Yeah. And I mean, and that's one thing we do have to talk about when then Saturn and Pisces is Jupiter's moves, because obviously now that mm-hmm. it's in Pisces, Jupiter is going to be playing a big role there. But I find it interesting with just thinking about this in thinking about this in my head, because that's where my thoughts happen, um, that one of the things that was created in the 60s, too, was the Department of Urban Development, which is HUD. Mm-hmm for, you know, working on uh, housing for homeless, for lower income, and just regulating housing. And so I I find it interesting because, like, it's, you know, Saturn in Pisces, it's almost like form is coming to this place that actually can be a little sloppy to some extent. But it can also give form to what has gotten sloppy because, I, I mean, Saturn in Capricorn just and Aquarius just back to back. It's like Saturn just does its thing. And it's not taking any, you know, other things into uh, consideration. And one of the big things that's going on in my city, and I see it happening elsewhere, obviously, like the the housing situation, but people are just building here, like left and right this whole time. And, and you no one is stopping this consistent development. But the plans aren't like fully thought out for like who needs the housing, any type of parking situation. Like they want to build a hundred unit building down the street from me with no parking and there's no parking in the neighborhood already. And so where do they expect, you know, like it's just all these regulations that people are just pushing forward to make the money and to line the pockets of the politicians and the developers and all that. And and HUD was actually that was one of the things that was part of that Um uh, that being established is to help regulate these things for the good of the greater society. Cause you can't just like, anyways, I'm going on a tangent, but no, so I mean, that, and that's, what's going on. And, um, homelessness is, ma- is massive. Um, there's lots of, you know, quote unquote conspiracy theories all over the place. And the one thing though, that like, I think instead of everyone, getting caught up arguing with each other I, I just would like everyone to focus on personally it's just that whether or not these were related to some of the theories people have out there it it was basically this massive trans transfer of wealth what did happen with the pandemic and how that played out it was like a massive transfer of wealth and the people that were already wealthy and had disproportionate control of things became massively more wealthy and the people that were struggling went in the other direction and there's massive homeless you know problems all over the place and then it's it's hard to get housing because people are just buying up units you know everywhere well, yeah developers and- are coming in and no one's stopping that and it's like well if you if no one stops that at some time there's never going to be an opportunity for a you know a, an individual to purchase because there's no regulation and so i'm hoping that that will be part of Saturn and Pisces too. Let me let me just give a little prayer out there as someone who wants yeah. to own a house someday. <laughs> I think, and that's I mean I don't that whole thing is a big mess. But I mean I think what you're speaking to there with the potential, you know, it can go obviously in different ways because yeah. Pisces can be um, Jupiter and Venus can be used in all kinds of different ways. But yeah, it's a much more Jupiter. It's Jupiter and Venus. Um, it's a it's a water sign. There is um, with Neptune there too. There is this um, 
recognition, I think more sort of like the borders of Saturn are getting kind of melted down, dissolved. And I'm, there's typically, yeah, more awareness of the people and the, the struggle. The last time we had Saturn and Neptune, both in Pisces, it was after the conjunction because they came together in, um, I believe, 1846 in Aquarius. But then in 1848, when uh, Marx, who has Saturn in Pisces, published the Communist Manifesto, Saturn was like kind of mid-Pisces and Neptune had, was at the beginning of Pisces. And um, that actually is a good example because Saturn-Neptune, one of the things we can have with it, and which we'll see playing out, just like people can remember what happened with Saturn-Pluto and people are kind of on these things are coming together and they're mixing and people are kind of be on one side or the other kind of looking at Saturn, looking at Neptune and Neptune looking at Saturn. And whereas Marxism was really addressing capitalism and all the issues of capitalism, which honestly are still going on. There is also this very overly materialistic materialist, um, which was partially because of the excess of religion and everything um, and that, and that power structure. But you know, that was a philosophy that addressing capitalism also kind of in making, creating these working class groups and the struggle around that. It was also sort of taking out spirituality mm. um, from that. And so you can see that in a, in a lot of things. So with, with Neptune being there too, we're going to see this where, I mean, it's, this is a huge discussion. I'm, I'm just realizing. <laughs> I'm about, of, I'm about to curb you. I'm about to curb you, You should curb me here. But just because the, the, the synopsis is just that on one hand, there can be skepticism in all sorts of directions. So some people being skeptical about religion and spiritual things, spiritual people being more skeptical about an overly materialistic perspective that sees the universe as meaningless and, you know, this overly disenchanted cosmos scientific perspective you know they're going to be going back and forth and there's going to be a need to find like that middle way but definitely with i would hope that there could be more people coming together locally and doing things around housing and that kind of stuff you're talking about yeah yeah because yeah i mean we all just want to be happy connected fulfilled it's a very Piscean things. And, you know, like mm -hmm. Saturn, Saturn is that outer reality. And Saturn, you know, Saturn has this strong presence in our outer world, but we deal with its implications mostly on the internal, right? You know, because that's how we respond to things. So I think that's going to be a big part of Saturn and Pisces too, is just really getting in touch, like, like you said, with, well, connecting in with that spirituality uh, and the abundance of it or the lack thereof questions of fulfillment um, and just our internalized response to what that looks like. And if our outer, you know, the outer constructs of our reality match up to that, you know, because it is that kind of transitional space of just form in general. And so I think Jupiter coming into the picture with, you know, cause Jupiter is going to be moving through, Jupiter will be in Aries when mm -hmm. uh, Saturn moves into Pisces um, and really Jupiter will move through Aries, Taurus and Gemini during the Saturn and Pisces transit. But as far as and cancer, it'll, it'll get, it'll get cancer, all the way so. into cancer by, by um, the end of it. Yeah. And so in 2023, we're only going to see the uh, the Aries Taurus component of it all. 
Um, but that's something to think about, you know, the Ju Jupiter and its forward momentum of, of just growth and expansion is at the very beginning of the Zodiac. You know, we are talking about like this primal, like Martian fire and this, the form and the fixed form of Taurus and that kind of Venusian and earth energy. And so how do you think that that kind of back-to-back -back of Jupiter plays into, I mean, just Jupiter being there, but also its role in Saturn and Saturn and Pisces. Yeah. Well, Jupiter as a ruler, um, one thing, you know, Jupiter and Aries, you might say it's an aversion to Pisces, but they are signs that are equal ascension speeds, um, which is, and they're also contrarantitia to one another also. And so, in the classic doctrine, that aversion is actually mitigated. And then it's going to move into Taurus, which is an actual sextile. And really importantly, yes. it forms the waxing sextile of that Jupiter-Saturn yeah. conjunction, which I, I think is a really big deal. And I'm, I almost feel like that sextile between Ju Jupiter and Taurus, which will also be right, Jupiter and Taurus with the north node of the moon, also the right there and Uranus and Taurus. So just like the Saturn Neptune thing starts picking up the Jupiter Uranus thing will start mm. picking up that happens in 2024, but they will be in the same sign. And that just honestly, even more amplifies what everything else already saying about Saturn Neptune coming together. Cause we're, that's going to be ruled by Jupiter in the same sign as Uranus, which is when Jupiter Uranus come together, it's extremely innovative um, lots of breakthroughs happen, lots of inventions happen, collective movements happen, um, counterculture things happen. Um, so, and you're throwing the North Node, the Moon in there too with it. So, um, we'll, I'm sure we'll talk about this as we get into the forecast, but yeah, the the, the Aries part is pretty quick because it's over by May, it goes into yeah. Taurus, but it's lined up really well with the beginning part of the year as we'll talk about there's a good part there where it's a lot of like really kind of being able to develop things and make some, there's some really great kind of forward energy movement coming in at the beginning of the year. And Jupiter and Aries is there sort of kind of like, yeah, like you're saying, like leading a charge. Yeah, it's like, like, it's very yeah. <laughs> it's ready to plant the flag. On so and it goes into Taurus, which is going to kind of slow stuff down and build, but it's going to really, I think it's going to make, just like Saturn Neptune is going to be bringing stuff into form, maybe that you picked up with a Jupiter Neptune that didn't actually come into form because it's very formless. Yeah. Jupiter Neptune things, and that should start coming together. Same thing with Uranus, all this shattering breakdown with Uranus, Jupiter coming in there. I think a lot of stuff is going to start coming together in the next couple of years um, that's been kind of building. Yeah. I totally 100% agree with that. It just seems like, yeah, <laughs> to, to believe that seems right. Um, yeah, that's partially why, yeah, why I feel I feel a lot better about this year. Yeah. Well, and, and, and for me, those ways, yeah. It's kind, of it's kind of exciting, you know, like yeah. there's, I feel like there, I feel like there's a lot to look forward to this year. Not that there's, I mean, there's things to look forward to in life every day, you know, um, but there is something about this year that really has just this kind of bursting quality or this building quality or the, or the seed is finally like, I'm viable. <laughs> Let's do something with me. Um, so that's exciting. And I think it'll be just this rush of, 
you know, cause what Jupiter, Jupiter gave us a taste during the middle of 2022 as it went through Aries, but uh, you know, a taste just wasn't enough. You know, it just made us realize we're like, Oh, we're ready for this new thing. Or just, just gave you enough to, to tell you where things might be going or to have you realize you're like, you know what? I want to blow up my life. I don't like it the way it is. Cause a lot of people are like that too, where they're just over um, what, their life has been or certain situations or relationships or what have you change. And then we're bringing in new scenarios. And so once again, 2022 had that kind of twisting and turning and the final of the Saturn Uranus. Um, but that full Aries movement of Jupiter straightforward to, to mid-May feels really just like, I'm ready. Let's do this. You know, I want it done yesterday. Like, let's go. Um, of course, once Mars gets out of retrograde and out of Gemini, but you know, that's a whole thing in itself. Um, now obviously another huge thing to talk about here is Pluto moving. Yeah. Crossing, talk about that yet. crossing the threshold <laughs> into, you know, and that's the funny thing, uh, funny ha ha that it just goes in and sits at zero degrees of Aquarius. Right. And I mean, we get the taste of Pluto in Aquarius. Granted, once again, much like our Saturn passage, just go into another Saturn sign. So <laughs> we got another 20 years of another Saturn sign. Yeah. But it is really, you know, you got to give it up for celestial timing when you think about just Pluto giving us a taste of Aquarius at zero degrees where the Jupiter Saturn conjunction was. You know, that that's a loaded degree in the Zodiac. And so here it is being activated by a loaded planet. And so, I mean, what's your first kind of inclinations about, I mean, Pluto moving into Aquarius and I mean, as a whole, maybe, but I mean, that's a topic in itself, but well, also one thing, just the you, taste you, of 2023. <laughs> yeah. Well, you made the point already. That's one thing that's really big is just that zero degree of Aquarius is such a big, has become such a big, um, symbol of the times or degree of the times because of the Jupiter Saturn conjunction coming there, which um such us such situations situates us within this 20 year Jupiter Saturn cycle that's really big that again we're just getting to like the waxing crescent sextile of this year. Um but yeah if people remember back in 2020 actually when Saturn went into Aquarius for a few months I think it's similar it's going to be well it's different than that but similar in the way that and also actually in 2021 when Jupiter went into Pisces for a few degrees for a few months it's like it's one of the things where you get the new story comes up and all these new developments start happening and then it's going to go back to and then actually in the years ahead it's going to go back and forth between Aquarius and Capricorn for a bit. Yeah. Um a couple of years. Yeah. Is it not until um uh I'm trying to remember when it is that it, I, I don't have that in my notes right in front I'll of find. me. But the actual date of that. But um that Pluto moves into Aquarius. To stay, or yeah. But it's like in, forever. Is it, yeah, it's like is it twenty twenty five maybe? It's um november 19th 2024 2024 okay the end of yeah. 2024 it goes in for good okay yeah um so between yeah and it's there's a couple times where it's going to go in and out basically between then and now so but yeah it's going to i already feel like actually 
it's been funny just looking at this recently. I feel like there's already news stories and events coming up that are already like (laughs) showing it. One of which I thought was interesting with the whole age of air was they just announced this thing about this um, fusion reactor that the U.S. is developing that, yeah, that could, it's not ready yet, but that would be something that would be a total game changer that's changing a lot with energy use Clean energy yeah and, energy and really yes and then i saw another thing today someone writing about uh these this quantum these quantum computers that that's not new they've been working on this for a while but um just i saw an article just talking about the developments that are going on with these quantum computers that sort of operate on these like quantum entanglement theories which i think is going to be something we're going to keep seeing more of because I think that's very Pluto and Aquarius. It's very Saturn, Neptune, and Aries, actually, I think, where we're ultimately heading. Because where we're ultimately heading with all of this, once Pluto settles in to Aquarius, is we get Pluto, once we get to 2025, 2026, we get Pluto and Aquarius trining Uranus and Neptune. I mean, sorry, Pluto and Aquarius trining Uranus and Gemini, they're both sextile Saturn and Neptune and uh, sorry, <laughs> Pluto and Aquarius trining Uranus and Gemini. They're both sextile Neptune and Aries with Saturn having moved through there. And then um, eventually um, Jupiter goes into Leo and sets that, that off even more. But um yeah. So, and that that fusion generator, the idea, the, what I understand of it is, it's basically trying to recreate the power of the sun in a way. Which I was just thinking, that's so like exaltation of Aries. Yeah, is the sun right? And um, I don't know. That would be interesting for. Yeah. You know. Well, and this whole idea is that it's it's it generates more power than it's putting out. So it's giving us back more than we're putting in, and it makes a lot of sense too. Because I I went back and you know to the beginning of the common era, just looking at uh, Pluto and Aquarius and its moves, and the you know we think about we talk about Pluto being power dynamics, right? We, a lot of times we think about power dynamics with control with one another and like power, but it can be literal power because, Mm -hmm. uh, in the like 60 AD through the 85 AD period, that's when, um, steam power was pioneered. And then in the 1286 through 1308 period, that's when uh, windmills were invented, you know, so we're Mm. looking at, which is interesting when we're just thinking about air, right? You know, Aquarius, windmills, you know, hot and wet steam, (laughs) you know, these types of things. So it doesn't surprise me that especially when we're at a point of power crisis um, as a society, there's these new inventions that are coming out, right? Because that's that's the thing too is like we think about uranus being this point of invention but aquarius is very uh gifted in that area as well so um that's promising in in many regards but yeah yeah i mean i think that's why people start thinking of uranus partially of as ruling aquarius for a time yeah and um there's also there's definitely revolutions that go with it and um Yes. Sort of like this, there's a classic, you know, the the whole decentering idea, you know, the sun being cohering and centering with Leo. Um, 
And I think the most classic, the cycle, you mentioned like the 1286 to 1308. So that was one of the Pluto and Aquarius. And the next time was um, 1532 to 1553, if people are interested. And that was the, involved the Copernicus revolution, mm. where we went from actually thinking everything revolves around us to realizing that you know, we're just part of the first step to realizing, I mean, now we, people talk about multiverses, right. And everything, but the first step to realizing we're actually part of the solar system. And then the next time, 1777 to 1798, Pluto was in Aquarius. We had the U S revolutionary war was happening and ended. We get the U S constitution during that time. Um, The French revolution Mm -hmm. is completely encompassed by that and that's probably the one of the events people most associate with pluto and aquarius but when you're talking about power um that sort of decentering it can often be a time of um people sort of claiming and taking their power back and um as as far as far as um revolution which again just sort of amps up some of that stuff i was when we were thinking about that coming in at the same time Saturn Neptune is kicking up at the same time that Jupiter Uranus is kicking up um, and starting to happen. That's yeah, we we could expect some more um, unrest and movements starting to to build during this year. Yeah, and it really makes me think about because I kind of went down a wormhole last night about um, the uh, Great Schism. <laughs> mm. Are you familiar with the Great Schism? Is, of, is that uh, Henry the Eighth that you're talking about? Uh, or no, is that a different this was, one. This was the break of Christianity between the East and the West, which happened during uh, a Pluto in Aquarius period. Oh, okay. Um, it happened in 1054. Um, and granted, you know, the the big event happened in 1054, but it you know it's hundreds of years leading up, hundreds of years after. But it is you know who has the power. What's the the ideologies, you know, and the big part of the schism between like the Greek Orthodox uh, Christian religion and the Roman Catholics actually were it had to do with miscommunication, which I thought was interesting in relation to an air sign, because a lot of times the teachings and the um, the iconography were getting mistranslated and the other side would not like approve with it because there, there was like clash of language involved where it was like a very airy thing where it just created this. I mean, there's much more to it, but when we think about power dynamics, I mean, at that time, like religion is the power it was connected to the King. I mean, that goes on and on. I mean, we talk about the Henry the eighth period. That was another Pluto and Aquarius period. And, you know, he was excommunicated by the, the church because he wanted to divorce and he went off and created his own, um, you know, church of England and, and so forth. And so it's interesting to think about just like the power dynamics within just the structures of just, um, the people in power, what they're communicating, their message, um, and the constructs of society, not in a physical way like Capricorn, when we're building things and these are the laws and the, you know, or the, the rules or the boundaries around things, you know, Aquarius is this group ideology or this, what that we attach to, um, and, you know, collective thinking and, yeah, so it is going to be a very complicated, interesting transit. Luckily, we have 20 years to uh, get situated into it. But uh, like you said, I think we're going to have some really big 
precursor kind of energy coming in 2023, especially as it sits at that Jupiter Saturn point. Yeah, definitely. That the having the eighth one is interesting too, because that's like about eight years after um well not eight years, Pluto one in Aquarius eight so earlier that was like later in the Reformation, but um the last time there was a Saturn Neptune, it was actually Saturn, Jupiter, and Neptune, and the North Node all together in Pisces is around like 1523 and 1524. And that led into like the the peasant wars and revolt that was part of the Martin Luther, the beginning yeah. of the the beginning mm-hmm. of the Reformation. And but what's interesting about that, it doesn't completely line up with our cycles now, but if you go back to 1517 when uh, Luther originally like nailed up the 95 theses, which are basically mm-hmm. about what you're just referring to at that point, it's different now, but you sort of, you can transfer, you know, who's in power and control now, then it was, yeah, very much like the church had so much power and they were wanting all this money to, you know, to absolve people of their sins. And he just saw it as being very corrupt and very, and um, you know, he, when he nails the 95 theses up, uh, Pluto was in Capricorn Saturn was at the end of Sagittarius. And then we get the Saturn Pluto conjunction in Capricorn, which does actually replicate what we just went through. And, and that's, mm-hmm. it's all starting to go then. Right. And then when we get to, um, and I think Neptune was in Aquarius then, but then once we get to the point where Saturn finally gets into Pisces, um, it just happens to line up with Neptune being there. Jupiter comes in too. And, um, at that point, he had been previously excommunicated and, and battled back from that. And then it yeah, just led into these big revolutions where um, and he was even you know, he was calling the Pope a devil, a very Saturn Neptune, but then he was yeah. then also calling all the peasants revolting, like he was attacking them too, because that then it got too out of control. But um in any case you know, when these things get released, it can get kind of, um, things can get out of control. Like the French revolution is a classic example of that too. Yeah. Um, when the guillotine was invented for such reasons. Yeah. <laughs> right. So, um, we can expect there's maybe some new, I mean, I, I think with a, the whole full on Pluto and Aquarius will take a few years, but we can see it's already yeah. starting to happen. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, I mean, just like a article that I read today, just like a brief thing, just thinking about it too, is like, we just spent the last like, what, you know, 15 years or so, like in this social media world and this, you know, we're getting closer and closer to um, our just everyday reality with, with being online and in this tech world. And there's been a lot of disillusion recently <laughs> with, uh, with the like social media and stuff, you know, a lot of people think like Instagram yeah. is dying. You know, we all know what's happening with Twitter <laughs> and Elon Musk and stuff. Um, and, you know, TikTok is for some people and not for other people. And so it'll be interesting to see how Pluto starts to affect that kind of big tech and that um, just the power that it has and where people start to gravitate within that. Um, as we find our space online, uh, yeah, and, that's and there's changes. a there's a thread with that to Saturn Pisces too, because the last time we had Saturn in Pisces was after you know the internet really got going with Saturn in Aquarius, and then Saturn in Pisces was a lot of like people figuring out these like business deals and like Amazon Amazon's formed during so Amazon's going to have its Saturn Pisces its first Saturn return oh. in the years ahead. 
And um, that led into that whole, you know, internet boom that happens that then kind of pops after Saturn gets out of Pisces. But, um, you know, the whole mid nineties period with that all starting to take off and take form. So, you know, now we have this, um, yeah, monstrosity (laughs) in a way of all this stuff, but it's, it's, yeah, it's obviously where things are going and we're going to be working with it. And that's going to be part of Pluto and Aquarius is dealing with that. And there's obviously a lot of, um, I know fears people have about it, um, and what that can mean. Um, and so that, that, that'll be interesting because it's, it's very Pluto because on the one hand, we have a lot of power in our hands as, but then also like, you know, how are we being potentially, you know, there's, there's lots of fears about how we can be controlled by that and the, the potential for like totalitarian states to, you know, be created implementing these things. And, and like, what ways is going to go? It's very, it's, it's, it's a Pluto thing. It's Pluto and um, an air sign. And I think one thing too, to be careful around all this too, is, is, you know, with Saturn Neptune coming in is just propaganda and having to wade through that. I mean, there's a thing where Aquarius can very much um, joy usher in her book, tiny universe. I really like, she talks about Aquarius involving um, brainwashing, which I think is a, yeah. a great way to think about Saturn, a Saturn yeah. air sign. And we, we already see that going on, right? You have to, there's so much, when you see a story now, you have to figure out like, where is his coming from? And yeah. you know, can, I, can I even believe this or not? You know, it's like, so there's, we're going to have to just really be keeping on, um, using critical thinking and that kind of thing and, and the, figuring things out with this too. Yeah, absolutely. So, so get ready. Uh, Pluto and Aquarius moves in on March 23rd and it will go retrograde on May 1st. So we only get like a little taste of the, of the forward uh, direct Pluto in this, this sign. Um, and of course yeah, it we, will retrograde back. We do, but it's but... such a big cycle and it's yeah. that, um, it's going to be eventful. Yeah. Oh, it'll definitely be eventful. I mean, you can, I mean, you can think about feel, you can already, all that AI stuff, like everybody's creating oh, yeah. AI portraits of themselves all of a sudden. I mean, guilty. <laughs> but it's also very yeah. Aquarius because it's like, oh, they're doing, I'm going to do. It's like, you know, it's exactly. like exactly to this conformity. conformity. Yeah. And that's what we have to watch. That's another thing we're going to have to watch for. How do you just like start conforming to a group? And with Aquarius, you know, sometimes you got to be the heretic that takes a stand. I mean, that was hopefully a, a whatever data mining happening with that AI port was very harmless. I'm hoping. I but, hope so too. I know they just another, basically got millions of faces now yeah, into the another, data bank. In other scenarios, it can be a little more prob- problematic, like conforming to group norms. So like at times we're going to have to be like the Aquarian, you know, heretic kind of like being like, well, I'm not going to go along with this because this isn't right for whatever reason, you know, so yeah. yeah yeah and that's um yeah so all right now we only have uh actually we're a little over time with our overview here right yeah. so let us um, we can just go and start talking about stuff yeah yeah so the, the only other overview is you know thinking about how we're gonna have mercury retrograde cycles in earth oh yeah um venus retrograde in leo we can kind of talk about that when we get to that eclipses yeah. moving into aries and libra i mean 
I mean, we kind of know what that will look like, but that will coincide with the Jupiter energy. And we can talk about that. We can talk about that one as we go. And yeah, the, the earth, the Mercury retrograde in earth cycles is, um, we had a little bit of it last year because we were in an air year and then in 2021 and 2022 is like air year moving to earth. Now we get total earth. What I think is interesting is, uh, Earth signs being you know more pragmatic and practical and helping you kind of adjust to stuff on a more material level and your kind of daily habits and routines and maybe changing that up is that they're all interacting with um, Uranus. Uranus, mm-hmm. yeah, they're Capricorn's trining it. Um, the Taurus one, it stations like just before it, but close enough, and then the Virgo one, it's like trining it basically. So it's and Jupiter's going to be in an Earth sign later in the year. So they, they should be not just like real practical. When we were when saying, yes, practical and grounded and pragmatic, but actually very innovative changes because it's, Uranus will be involved in all of it. Yeah, yeah. It, has, it has this real uh, earth magician quality mm-hmm. to it. It's like, That's how a, can I like you, that. Yeah. you know, like it's not just concept or, <laughs> you know, or, or feeling it's form. It's like, how are we? um magically rearranging or solidifying or you know creating form um because it's the mind is such a powerful tool right you know and that's that that is mercury's strength so having it configured to uranus is exciting um which now it occurred to me as gray and i are speaking mercury is actually about to try uranus later this weekend as we record so we're already kind of feeling it there feeling Um, it yeah yeah, we're already feeling it. Uh, it's involved in that first retrograde we're going to talk about. So just really quickly, Venus, just while you're on that, we, yeah. we'll talk about it later. But the one thing about the Venus retrograde um, is that it's also configured to Uranus, too, as, as well as Jupiter yes. and Taurus. So that that's that'll probably as we'll talk about that's that's also going to be yeah innovative, but also probably a lot of unrest. That's one where I'm kind of wondering if that part of the year stuff really going on with everything we've already been talking about a lot of more unrest happening and yeah, stuff breaking out and that kind of thing. All right. All right. Well, so let's, let's see, let me get our chart up here. Um, If you're watching the video, if you're just listening, bear with us. (laughs) All right. So here we are uh, sitting at the solstice, December 21st. That's 2023. I'm a year ahead. We already made it to the end, Gray. We're <laughs> we're done. Um, all right. <laughs> 2022. Um, all right. So how we're gonna do this this year is I'm gonna kind of read off a just a quick like overview of what's happening for each season, and then we're kind of just gonna pick out like the most dynamic parts and kind of like roll around some thoughts with that. So obviously Capricorn season starts December 21st of 2022. So there's, it's a little bit before 2023, but you know, it is what kicks us off into the new year. And so one of the big things about ending this year is actually we have that, you know, Jupiter moving back into Aries uh, the day before the solstice and then the sun squaring it. And then a whole, a new moon cycle that is uh, attached to, uh, you know, sun and Jupiter square on cardinal points. We have Mercury going retrograde in Capricorn uh, on the 29th, right? Um, right before, right before the New Year. There, uh, we have a very Uranian Cancer full moon, um, the Sun conjuncting Pluto. 
Um, Venus and Aquarius activating Mars uh, and Uranus with Mars stationing uh, during Capricorn season. Um, so there's a lot going on here. Anything else, Gray, uh, in our summer way before we break it down? No, that sounds good as far as just an overall summary. I mean, so the, I, I really like love the solstice. Um, not, and I don't, I mean, I'm not, and then by saying I'm not commenting on excellent on this exact <laughs> solstice um, mundane chart and the political ramifications of that, just that I love that it's the dark time of the year. Um, Venus, we, depending on where, where you are, I mean, I feel like everyone should be able to start see, really seeing Venus. I mean, you already could see Venus potentially, but she should really be visible here. Um, everything yeah. you can see, even how that charts up, you can see the sun setting and we can see yeah. everything is it's, it's actually even a dark moon, which just makes it even more dark. And everything is um, up in the sky. Everything's visible. And um, with Jupiter also on the world axis at Aries point, along with the sun. And it's, you know, in this chart, even, you know, it's it's up at the um, the middle of the sky in a way, not exactly in the mid heaven, but still up there. Um, it looks a lot to me just like like that sort of like going into the darkness. This th that this time of year, you know, we like to think about looking back on the past year and how we've grown and looking forward to the year ahead. There is, like you mentioned, a Mercury retrograde that's going to come in soon after this, which will mean we want to be um, still needing to make some adjustments and leaving some things behind from the past. But I think it's just a really beautiful time for um, the classic looking ahead, looking ahead to year ahead and really dreaming the year ahead. And, um, you know, Jupiter being at zero Aries, really bringing in a chance to um, have hope and, a, and not hope in a cynical way, like actually believing in you can actually make things happen this year and um, following through on that. Yeah, absolutely. Because I mean, starting the year under a new moon cycle that has the sun square Jupiter on cardinal points, you know, that that's pretty potent. I think that is yeah. that is an activating energy with both inspiration um, and tangible realities, right? Like that's, mm -hmm. it's, there's, there's big energy there. Um, and then to add that Mercury retrograde, uh, on the 29th, you know, in, conf in configuration with Venus, you know, as she's visible now and sitting kind of close to Pluto there. Um, it feels like, I mean, whenever we have big inspirations in our life and we want to, you know, trek towards new destinations or, you know, uncharted territories, if we are any bit responsible, uh, like, you know, the Capricorn any energy wants us to be, we might have to go over some things, right? You know, like, yeah. and I feel like that's the beauty of this Mercury retrograde, especially in a cardinal Earth sign is it's like, if you're at a point of starting or want to start, there's probably a lot of things you got to figure out, especially in the Capricorn area of your chart. Um, and I feel like that Mercury going retrograde um, is very helpful to just kind of go over that, especially when we are getting into the end of Mars being retrograde and it's going to station mm -hmm. on January 12th, um, not too long after that full moon. 
So it's interesting that those retrogrades are kind of switching off, right? You know, Mercury goes retrograde, ruling Mars, right? As Mars is ready to leave its own cycle. Um, but it feels preparatory. In- yeah, and there's there's something interesting here too, where it, it, the year begins with this Mercury retrograde, and the year's going to actually end with a Mercury retrograde. So um, that to me kind of plays up a bit about this year, that sort of internality and being internal um, in that good kind of Capricorn way of, of taking everything into account is going to be really important. And and last year we actually had this similar lineup of Mercury, Pluto, Venus around the turning of the year. But what's interesting is this time it's Mercury's retrograde and Venus is instead of her being retrograde, she's um, becoming visible. And so it does sort of return us to like last, literally returns us with those transits to last year and what, what ended up happening, what didn't happen, what went differently. But I also agree that Mercury being retrograde, you can actually be still generating um, forward vision. And um, it's a good time though, to be thinking about, you know, what to also release from the past and before we get to that Mars stationing, that um, full moon and I think it's a full moon in Cancer. Yeah, that's lined up really closely with the um, reanimation of Mercury. So, yeah, the mid the midpoint of that Mercury cycle is going to be sort of illuminated by the full moon, which should be I, I find that to be I, I like that. I think I be love really this. Helpful. Yeah, I yeah I love this, especially in configuration to Uranus. You know, there's just talk about that yeah. inventive Earth magic flow, and right before Mars is going to station, right? right. You know, it's like Mercury is like is going to seed in the heart of the Sun at it, as the Moon like reflects back this very innovative energy, um, this very intuitive energy, right? You know, the Moon is in its own sign there, so it's ni- nice and strong. Um, and it's really sets the stage for Mars, uh, you know, emerging from the retrograde cycle, just a, a literally a week later. Um, so this feels really good. I mean, obviously this is going to bring up, you know, if you're thinking about things having to do with your house or moving or, uh, family versus, you know, the outer world and career and your goals and all that, you know, that's always kind of a highlight of full moons that involve cancer and Capricorn, but just because Mercury is sitting there in that reanimation spot, Mars is about to emerge. It feels even more uh, just kind of potent for uh, life shifting, um, you know, sudden life yeah. shifts. <laughs> yeah. And, and really like it plays up that like really this turning of the year and really being able to seed like the whole year ahead and um, what you really want to develop this year. And it, that it can be very innovative actually with that Uranus action. And then like you were saying, I think it's what it's a week later or less than a week later that Mars stations direct. So that is, so this is a period of the year where I'm, I'm probably most not sure what's going to happen collectively because, you know, we're already in a, there's already a war happening. And so collectively with current events, I feel like this section of January could be get pretty hectic and um, it's hard to know what will happen because we're going to have basically Mars stations direct then, right? January 12th. And then yeah. was it like less about a week later, Mercury stations direct. And then like less than a week later, Uranus stations direct. So 
There's this like Mars goes direct, uh, yeah, Mercury goes direct to the 18th of the 22nd. It's to the 22nd. All, yeah, it's all, <laughs> it's all direct, direct, direct. And, and in that time, Venus is goes into Aquarius and she goes through um, activating that Saturn Uranus again because she she basically she's ruling the the Uranus, of course. Um, and so that can actually the, the the Venus in Aquarius with Uranus and Taurus can be actually one of those really innovative catalytic i mean it's a square but you know it's received and um i think personally this can be really great and innovative for growth but again just because that the saturn uranus is going to get activated again there might be um you know some of those wild current events happening that create things we don't really know exactly what's going to happen but so that's one thing to be kind of aware of that this is one of those more like volatile collective time periods yeah but once we get into that aquarius time and um and uranus goes direct we have i think until like april 21st or something when mercury eventually goes retrograde all the plants will be moving direct for like all of february all of march most of april yeah and so there's this big big push big push forward that you can do then yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I, I totally agree with you on the, uh, the, the unknown of the, the larger collective at this time, because especially with Jupiter sitting at the beginning of Aries, um, and Mars emerging as the ruler of that Jupiter, right. You know, like I think Jupiter has an agenda that we might not see until Mars emerges, um, because, uh, yeah, so there, there's, there's variable there for sure. Um, but overall, it feels like a good start. You know, I mean, we are in collective sign territory just in general at this time of year, right? When we go through that that Capricorn, Aquarius, Pisces, it's just we are in plant, uh, planetary territory that is more aligned with um, everyone. <laughs> so there tends to be a little more action there. Yeah. And, and I guess whatever's been going on for you with the Mars retrograde, just kind of realize this mid-January period, there might still be some frustrations as far as like, because Mars isn't going to be moving. Yes. But just sort of, you got to kind of stay with the process. And it's, a I think that these first few weeks of January, though, are, are just great for like starting to get p- plans going. Again, you might have to just leave space to um, know that depending on what happens with things, they might, you might have to make some adjustments, but I think it's a great period just to be really planning and think about what you want to do and, and um, really follow your creative impulses and things like that. Cause I, um, Mars stationing can also be very dynamic. You just have to maybe watch the, um, <laughs> trying to keep things cool as much as possible when you, when you, when you don't need to be fired up. And when you, when you have outlets for being fired up and taking action, like do it, you know, like find ways to direct that energy. Yeah, absolutely. And I think Mercury retrograding and in in an earth sign will help a little, cool it a little bit. Um, And I do like how Venus is going to try and Mars right before uh, Mars stations too. So when you're talking about the creative impulse um and connecting with that and very airy uh you know um concept oriented way communicative way um yeah that that feels like a nice entry and they're and they're they are in signs like you know mars uh, mercury's retrograde and mars's exaltation and mars is retrograde and mercury's sign so it's pretty 
dynamic in that way. Yeah. But, so, but, you know, oh, you're going to say, Gray? Oh, I was just going to say, yeah, once we get to like, was it January 18th? Um, just as we're adjusting to that Mars, I think that Mars station will just be a little bit more intense because, you know, we're, we're dealing with the Mars stationing and then I think it's January 18th that Mercury stations direct. So it's like, we're yeah. just starting to, it's like a double up thing, you know, um, and then Uranus is also going to be stationing. So that's a period where just um, being really mindful and um, it'll, there could be some definite frustrating things to work through. But, but also like, emerging things. Exactly. Because, yeah. Yeah. Because once we get to Aquarius season, which is next, and we already talked about uh, Uranus stationing direct only a couple mm-hmm. days into Aquarius season. I mean, that's kind of the kickoff there. You know, we're in fixed air territory. Um, we have the sun uh, squaring Uranus, um, kind of doing that bridge gap where the sun squares Uranus and and then conjuncts Saturn during that time. Uh, we have Venus, who then makes a square with Mars, which is always dynamic in their uh, interplay cycle. Um, and uh, Venus is sextile Uranus. We have a new moon that's sextile Jupiter. Uh, so that's second new moon in a row, an aspect to Jupiter. So we're kind of carrying the Jupiter theme over um, in Aquarius. And uh, Gray, you've had a couple of things to say about Aquarius season as well. Yeah, um, as far as what we haven't said. Oh, we got the full moon in Leo squaring Uranus too. There seems to be a lot of, the, yeah. a lot of Uranian energy coming up in, in, an Aqu- in Aquarius season here. Yeah. Do you want to put the, um, well, actually, you want to just throw the new moon, people watching, sure. throw the new moon chart. So we could just show this, the new moon and then the yeah. full moon. Because that because you can see that new moon, the very beginning of Aquarius. is an interesting thing where like the Capricorn new moon's beginning of a Capricorn, the Aquarius new moon's the beginning yeah. of Aquarius, and then a Pisces new moon's going to be um, at the beginning of Pisces. And then Aries, because we're going to get, and spoiler Aries alert, too, right. we get two right. Aries new moons, one's right. an eclipse. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, but you can see that, yeah, the sextile with Jupiter is nice here as far as coming out of this period where like Uranus is basically stationing right here. Yeah. You can't so, see it, but it is. It's ready. This just, yeah, this just goes <laughs> what we were, we were already just talking about this being like a volatile time by a lot being able to merge out of this and then everything's moving direct. And then when you get to that full moon, you can see that it's forming a square to um, Uranus. So again, this is just, um, and Saturn's still in Aquarius at this point. So that full moon then, you know, pings them both. So I really kind of see this as like the, one of the final, maybe this is the final ultimate Mm. activation of Saturn Uranus. I don't know if they're, whatever's going to happen in this time period, they're probably not going, you know, quietly into the night. There's probably (laughs) some more of this theme that we've already been seeing that happens. But again, personally, you know, this can be really activate a big push, a big push forward with what you want to be developing and everything yeah right because i mean we got we got out of capricorn season we had this push of you know cardinal earth and we're figuring all these things out now we're emerging and all of a sudden we have to 
um, you know, maybe fixate on the idea. We have to communicate it where we are to the world at large, you know, in our place in society there. Um, the full moon and Leo always kind of pits us against like, you know, your own feelings in relation to the, <laughs> the rest of the, you know, your place in the rest of society, you know, what, what you have to give back, um, etc. And so I, I feel like there could be some tension and unexpected movements of people being like, maybe like I've, I've had it, or I want to do this now. And I am redirecting like this, the final redirect, you know, to mm -hmm. some extent. Um, if you've been thinking about it and feeling the crunch for so long with the, the Saturn square Uranus, it's like, like Grace said, this is kind of that last lunation. That's really just like, all right, you going to do it or what? Like <laughs> That's kind yeah. of how I feel about it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we are going to still have eclipses in Scorpio and Taurus this next year that will activate yeah. Uranus, but you know, we won't have Saturn and Aquarius. So I really like what you're just saying. I think that's the main takeaway here in this, this Aquarius period is, is what is this, um, some of the, the resolution of the Saturn Uranus drama that we've been dealing with the last couple of years. Um, Hopefully, I don't know how much, you know, collective events just keep spiraling out of control sometimes, but personally, especially like things that you've been wanting to get together and things have been changing. That really helps with like, I think part of this year, um, you know, going into the next, the next part of that story and, and things kind of wrapping up and um, expanding into whatever's coming next with those developments. Yeah. And it's interesting to think about the new, the new moon, uh, energies and how we have venus conjunct saturn at that mm -hmm. time and we know what venus conjunct saturn last year looked like when it was like caught in between the malefics um between mars and saturn and luckily that's not the case for venus this year but she had a rough year she had a rough 2022 um so it'll be mm -hmm. interesting to watch her moves but by the time she we get to that full moon venus will be in pisces which will not be nice she'll be uh exalted um in her position there um, I think the only other thing, I mean, she'll eventually get to Neptune, I think by that end of Aquarius time. So we'll have another one of those Venus, Neptune, Pisces periods we've had for years now. But with Mercury's movement right here, you can see on your chart there, it's, uh, it's coming back. So, you know, Mercury, it just is good by this. What's interesting about this transit, you know, Mercury starts kind of near Pluto and then it comes back retrograde to like sextile Neptune and trine Uranus. So it's um it's basically finishing up these aspects where it'll finish that Neptune aspect, it'll finish that Pluto aspect like you're showing there. Yeah. Yeah. So that Mercury retrograde storyline is basically also wrapping up here yeah. on, on that that kind of shorter cycle level. So whatever was kind of happening during that Mercury retrograde is is finishing up right here too. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. That is a good point. Yeah, because I I think we didn't kind of say with the Mercury, we alluded to Mercury trining Uranus during its cycles. But in this particular one, too, it started with that a sextile to Neptune. So, Neptune, yeah. Um, yeah. So it's also interesting in the creative form and, you know, kind of imag imagineering and like that, the earth magic and what we're putting into place. So, yeah, I like the earth, earth magician thing. Yeah, it's, it's we're all going to be earth magicians. Why not? Let's do it. <laughs> 
So yeah, so we get to, uh, you know, Jupiter's moving, moving along in Aries here, you know, it's already at almost eight degrees here by mm -hmm. February 10th. And as Gray pointed out, we got that Venus conjunct Neptune, which is always um, nice. I will say, though, it'll be interesting to think about once we get there, February 15th. Um, I mean, Venus conjunct Neptune was one of the main um configurations for that solar eclipse that happened last year and so now venus mm. is coming back to this point um so it'll just be interesting you know side note put it in your pocket for later um wondering yeah, it's a bit of that jupiter i mean one thing i've been thinking about a lot is like saturn coming into pisces and solidifying whatever kind of formless vision you know things that maybe didn't quite cohere with the jupiter neptune but I think the important thing, people that are down on Jupiter, Neptune, and Pisces is um, that it is very internal and there might yeah. be a lot more going on under, underneath the surface of things than you realized. And this would be on a little mini level. Yeah, Venus is just going to go from Neptune. And as we head into the Pisces season, she's going to go into Aries and we're going to get this Venus-Jupiter conjunction in Aries so there's a way she's um tying those two back together again. Yeah. And then speaking of the tie-in too, you know, here we have at the same time around mid-month in February, or at least kind of mid-month and only has 28 days, but uh, the sun is going to be meeting Saturn and mm -hmm. kind of finishing its bridge of the gap from the square yeah. to Uranus to conjunct Saturn and um granted mercury is going to come about in this way but really these are the final planets that are contacting uh saturn in aquarius um and it's a good point this is a really this would be a nice time to do your um well maybe not on valentine's day if you're celebrating romantically or something but <laughs> february 15th and the next day like if you want to do some saturn in aquarius retrospective of you know, get out some journals and or whatever you want to do and think about, you know, how are you shaped by Saturn and Aquarius? This would be a great time to do that, like middle of February. Yeah, I love that. That's a great idea. Because mm -hmm. um, we're going to know. We're going to know by then. If it hadn't been clear, <laughs> it's, it'll be clear by February 16th, basically. So, um, you know, we're getting to the to the end of that that final hurrah there, um, and that really brings us to the end of Aquarius season. So let us go on to Pisces territory, which begins on February eighteenth. Um, February eighteenth. So let's think Pisces season. Like you said, Gray, we have that Venus conjunct Jupiter and Aries, um, and we have Mercury conjuncting Saturn the same day so once again to tie in that because mercury will be i think the final one or at least by conjunction for sure um to contact saturn um obviously we have saturn ingressing to pisces then which we know is big news we have jupiter conjuncting chiron um mm -hmm. and mid-march is very is neptune central we have mars making its final square to neptune uh, while the sun and Mercury make a superior Kazemi on Neptune, basically <laughs> around the same time. Um, and we have uh, Venus squaring Pluto at that time, too. So there's kind of a lit up period in mid-March between March 16th and 17th. Um, so let's let's see here. Let, let me, I guess, since the lunations are at the beginning, might as well just skip to our Pisces new moon on February yeah, I go to 20th. Pisces new moon. That'd be great. Yeah, so we go into 
this is the part of the year where this is when the new um, story really emerges to me because in Pisces, you can see Saturn's at the very end of Aquarius. So we are right before um, Saturn goes into Pisces. And it's not really too far into Aries season that um, Pluto goes into Aquarius. I mean, by the end of March, Pluto will be in Aquarius. So we, 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 during Pisces season, we get this, the Saturn changing sign and we get to like Pluto at the very, very, very end of Capricorn about to change signs. Um, something we have not talked about that I think might be under the radar. I mean, maybe people are talking about this in forecasts. I'm not sure, but that, that Jupiter Chiron conjunction, I mean, that actually is a, a fairly significant cycle um, that I personally haven't done tons of research on, but um, the last time they were together was back in um, 2009 um, when they're, when they were all in, uh, it was in Aquarius along with Neptune. Mm. Um, and if people just want to look at this on their own, we had 2009, um, 1990, which the 1991 in cancer really lined up with all that dissolution of the Soviet Union with coming after that Saturn, Neptune. That's a, you, know, you probably know people personally or have worked with people in astrology that have Jupiter and Chiron and cancer opposite that, you know, Saturn, Neptune, Uranus and Capricorn um, before that was 1976. And that was the last one in Aries and Mars was also in Gemini um, sextile that. Sounds so like you have um, done some research, Gray. <laughs> I've done a little, no, but I haven't, I haven't seriously studied thought it. about it. Yeah. 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 About all the, but it's a big, it's a cycle. And I think um, speaking to what we are talking about people taking their power back um, in this, maybe it's idea of like agency with, a, with Aries and maybe part of that wound of Chiron and Aries so far as people feeling like, what can I even do? And I'm being thwarted and I can't, you know, one point people being literally like locked down, not able to leave their home. Um, Cause Chiron's basically been in Aries this whole time. <laughs> We've been dealing with all of this. That's true. That's this true. this is very much to me like this kind of like Jupiter, Chiron, and Aries, like kind of leading us, you know, out of this period um, into this new story. And if you, I don't know if you want to go forward a little bit, we get, um, is it, um, forget what day it is, but we get basically Venus comes into Aries and um, we get a, a Venus-Jupiter conjunction in Aries um pretty soon after this and that's very close to um chiron so before jupiter yeah, and yeah. yeah before jupiter and chiron actually come together they're like on the cusp of it right venus comes through and she actually connects them so this really makes me think about actually a little bit you know we go back to that 19 last time we had jupiter chiron come together in aries with mars and gemini 1976 that is birth of punk rock and hip hop and, you know, creative art forms of people taking power back, um, making statements, creating culture. Um, this looks very much like that to me. Um, and if something you don't have on here that, that you know, it's, you have to be into asteroids. But what happens mm -hmm. after this, what's interesting is, is Vesta. Vesta's in Aries. And when 
um, by the time Jupiter moves a little bit forward to get to Chiron, Vesta comes through in Aries. Okay, here we go. Thank you. <laughs> so then we get um, Vesta is in Aries too. So that's I think that's actually interesting that once if you go a little bit further, um, you don't have to on this. If but if you want to just show people when we get to like the Jupiter Chiron conjunction, Vesta is very close together with them. So we actually have a bit of like I think it there is something to say about the fact that it's not just Jupiter Chiron, it's um, Jupiter Vesta Chiron with Venus sort of mixing something up right as they're all coming together. And so this also makes me think about, um, you know, Vesta can be very communal in a sense of, um, especially when we think about Hestia, which is also often associated with Vesta being like a Romanized name of Hestia and like the sacred fire, you know, keeping your sacred fire, um, Aries being the exaltation of the sun with um, Jupiter Chiron being there. Vestas can be very um, excelling at really focusing in on something like a laser, um, whatever your own sense of spiritual um, practices are, um, you know, or even thinking about sort of the... Um, spirit someone who's like a spiritual warrior in some sort of sense you know or like the the um renegade um <laughs> priestess or monk that's how you know renegade i mean there's... priestess i like that yeah. was my wwe uh character yeah. <laughs> yeah so this is where we get the renegade priestess joining the um earth magician in the in the um as we come towards the aries equinox yeah so anyway well, I, we, I I like this as far as which, which and this is like right so you can see here this is literally yeah. Saturn's just gone into Pisces so that, that's just why I'm saying Jupiter's ruling Saturn Saturn's just gone into Pisces we actually get a full moon right around here too so there's something about this Jupiter Chiron um, that is very much about initiating us into this new story which which is really all about Saturn Neptune ultimately yeah and i mean honestly talk about earth magician i feel like when we have a uh virgo full moon that is very earth magician-esque mm -hmm. because life is liter literally shifting in on a very physical tangible way at this time of year and you know we are in pisces season this is a mutable double-bodied energy and so this is where things start to as we talk about dissolve and reform and trying to take start to take the shape of what's next um any mutable air uh period is going to be about that but the one from pisces to aries is very significant because it lights us up with a virgo full moon and then brings us straight to the beginning of the zodiac and to think at this full moon on march 7th you know we got pluto at an anoretic 29 degree we got saturn literally the last degree last minute the last minute you know, yeah. it is the last minute you know, I mean, it's something. even close. I mean, because later this day, Saturn goes into Pisces. So, I mean, it's, it's yeah, I don't, I didn't, I didn't look up the timing, but must be like hours later or something. It goes into Pisces. It's like, um, talk about an entrance. It's a full moon. It's a, yeah, it's like a, even if it's not the exact full moon, I mean, it's close enough where we can say when Saturn goes into Pisces, it's going to be a full moon in Virgo. Yeah. Really lining it up. Well, and then if you Mercury, we look at by Mercury and Pisces, so yeah, yeah, and if we look at um, 
<laughs> just this chart just happens to be set for Washington and it has oh, wow. descendant literally on Jupiter almost to the minute. That's amazing. I didn't realize um, that. I hadn't looked yeah. at that chart. So that will, this will, this is going to be an intriguing, um, period. And, uh, when I said the last minute, the term that came to my head was, um, uh, you know, in the last hour, you know, when, because mm. a lot of times you think about Pisces actually as being in Jupiter to this point of like miracles, too, where something just pulls out out of, you know, pull, you know, just saves you out of nowhere. Like in the seventh hour, it came in and, got, you know, I don't know if I'm exaggerating here, but it feels like some things can shift where all of a sudden in just like that last minute of something, something all kind of like coagulates well, and redistributes. Totally. And, and speaking of like the, the sort of magical connection, I'm, I'm noticing, I hadn't actually realized this, but it's nice to see this chart. Um, that full moon is actually Antitia, all the Aries. So, um, yeah, Vir Virgo and and Aries um, uh, form that, and it's by almost by degree. So that full moon actually is um, really connecting. Is really going to tie in the Jupiter Chiron conjunction. Um, in, in an interesting way that I hadn't noticed before. Antitia just brings things together that maybe it looks like they're not really in an aspect, but they actually are brought together into an aspect and they're actually like, it's brought together. So yeah, I think what you just said that- um, Especially the trying very, very, Uranus. The way to describe that is, uh, is, is, is I works for that aspect. And, and that's why I think I noticed it while you were saying that. Um, the other thing is we didn't talk about, but just really quickly is it's- if people are looking yes. at this chart, you can see that you have the Egyptian bounds on it. So right before Saturn goes into Pisces, what is interesting is by essential dignity, this is just like off the chart, strong Saturn. So there probably is something big about the Saturn resolution story because Saturn has triplicity, domicile, and bound dignity here at the end. So this is like a if if essential whatever essential dignity means by transits this is like super strong <laughs> saturn as as powerful as it can be basically it's kind of yeah. like Mars at the beginning of a scorpio um yeah so definitely pay attention to that oh, what's my camera doing okay so let us move on and just like fyi if there wasn't enough with this full moon on march 7th it's another one much like the january one that is configured to uranus so we, we have this uranian piece also coming in so we know this is big and it leads us into that neptune period that i was mentioning <clears throat> oh right yeah so we can sort of see as you're pulling it up uh mercury's in pisces it's on the other side of the sun from us that means mercury's moving really fast so it's going to flow fly through pisces and by the end of pisces season yeah you can see here um mercury's really close this is what march yeah, so 14th that and that's so march 14th is when mars squares neptune and then we just keep moving it forward and well, that's mercury a will cross over neptune and then, Let's talk about that just for a second. That's actually huge because um, yeah. the the one of the major storylines of the Mars retrograde in Gemini has been a squared in Neptune. Exactly. And so um, I know a lot of people have thought about all the chaotic feelings about the Twitter takeover. Kind of went with that and Twitter files being released. But but this is um, the end of that. And and so Mars is actually coming out of its retrograde shadow here also squaring um 
Neptune with, with its ruler Mercury also being there, going into its superior conjunction. So that Mercury going through its superior conjunction in Pisces. Well, and Mars squaring, or Sun squaring uh, Mars at this time too. So it's all Yeah, Sun squaring Mars too. Yeah, so it's a big part of the Mars synodic cycle. Um, so um, um, Mercury, yeah, Mercury heading through there. I mean, on one hand, you could be like, oh, that's, maybe this is really disorienting with Mercury and Pisces and Neptune. And, <laughs> but as it, as Mercury goes through that superior conjunction, we finally are out of this um, Mars and Neptune exact thing. I kind of think this, this could really maybe bring some clarity regarding whatever, you know, the, the bigger Mars retrograde storyline and, and what all has happened because Mercury is, you know, reanimated and, you know, reseated and everything when it hits the sun there. Yeah. Well, and one of the things that comes up in my mind when I look at this is, I mean, Mars being our action energy in this whole um, retrograde cycle, it was like, you know, kind of popping the bubbles of like, what is feasible? What's not? What do I have energy for? What do I not? Like what it's, and then we talked about this disillusion um, dissolving quality of Saturn and Pisces and here Saturn's coming in. And all of a sudden, if you talk about some, you know, getting the word or the message or the intuition that, um, either a, something is dissolving and you don't have energy for it anymore, or perhaps you finally are animated by the actual dream of what the next dream is. And then you can take action on it, but it does seem to have this, like if something were to dissolve, it now kind of feels like that time or coming to terms with what has already dissolved. Or um, I know there's a lot of people in my personal life that are navigating grief um, for uh, some reasons or another. So yeah. it just seems like a really potent combination. Uh, talk about soul searching <laughs> moment, um, just connecting with, with yourself and your energetic drive and just checking back in with everything you've been through with the Mars retrograde, right? Much like you said, with the checking in with the Saturn and Aquarius piece when the sun went over. Yeah. Um, and and then yeah. I definitely think that is a great, I really like that. And especially with grief and things like that. The other thing I would say is that it's like Mercury often does is can be doing multiple things at once. I think this is also, as we're just about to hit the Aries ingress, there's something really potent here about sort of seeding the Saturn Neptune because basically earlier around, I think it's March 2nd, Mercury forms a conjunction with Saturn and Aquarius. Then it shoots, you know, goes really fast through and now it's hitting Neptune right before it's superior conjunction. So there's something interesting to me, to me about just about Mercury kind of threading the bringing Saturn and Neptune sort Saturn of to Neptune together. together. Yeah, yeah. 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 So, yeah, right as we go into the Aries ingress, yeah, that yeah. is it's sort of just um, mixes that up. It kind of gets it going a little. It gives it a little bit more of a jump start. Absolutely. Um, and so, what's nice about this period too is we have Venus moving into Taurus. So, uh, yeah, that's always a lovely little, lovely little thing. And she's heading towards the North Node and there. Saturn is no longer in Aquarius, so this is the first time we get okay now. Um, Saturn's in Venus's exaltation and they're in a sextile. And yeah, so it's, it's, it's a, it's a very different Venus and Taurus here than we've been dealing with recently. Yeah. And, um, if we think about it, cause Mercury, like you said, conjuncted Saturn 
in Aquarius and then just bolted right through. I mean, Venus is our first one to make a Ptolemaic aspect to Saturn there. So she might have a, an in, she might be delivering a Saturn in Pisces. It just feels very form bearing. Um, yeah, it's, it is. It's very, um, yeah, it's very, yeah, very pregnant or fertile here. I feel like, cause it's also kind of interesting that she'd be going right into the North node of the moon. Um, at the same time, at the same time as she, yeah, she makes that aspect and then goes, and then she's heading towards Uranus. So yeah, there's a, there's a, that's what we get. In the well, next the, coming up. And so yeah. this brings us to the Aries ingress. Yeah. Um, and we're just going to spend like, like, I don't know, let's do like five minutes or less gray on, on talking about the Aries ingress as a whole. Let's get our initial impressions. Cause we're on a nice flow. I feel like we're in a good flow with our yeah. planetary is this seasons. The, is this the, um, Oh, I don't know. I'm why am I skipping years? I don't know. I am trying to just get to 2024. Like, <laughs> you know, what's that saying? I was ahead of myself. All right. So March 20th, 2023, which uh technically at 5:24 p.m. Washington time is our Aries ingress there. Um, and that Venus North Node conjunction is right there. <laughs> um Yeah, so that is something um if you remember last year when we did this forecast, we talked about being worried about what did yes. happen. We were worried about Roe versus Wade because Venus was in the ninth house in Aquarius in between Mars and Saturn, squaring Uranus. This year, she's in the ninth house. She's ruling the ninth house. She's moving away from a, a received sextile with um, Saturn heading towards a received conjunction with Uranus. So this looks a lot better for she Venus. Is in things much better condition. Yeah, She's it's very like, different. Hallelujah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a very, very different, extremely yeah. different. Yeah, and um, I mean, one thing this is just something that's going to be going on everywhere, and it's another thing that makes me think about the Saturn Neptune conjunction again. It's just that we're all going to have this Moon Neptune. So there's something about the people. It's all. It's going to show up in different charts everywhere. The USA chart, there's something around maybe foreign relationships or yeah. something, but um, moon, Neptune everywhere. Um, and so um, there's well, a lot could, that could be said about that. that. But I think, I think interestingly, one thing is just a, it's to me also just kind of getting that Saturn, Neptune thing again, really set in motion. Yeah. Yeah, well, and it's interesting to have Mars configured to that at the same time. Um, cause, yeah. And, and granted, it's it's leaving, but it's still still there. Um, so, which is interesting to think about because we were just talked about a very potent period right before this happens, where Mars leaves its, you know, shadow essentially squares Neptune. We have all that. Pisces energy that leads up into this moment. So it makes me wonder what takes place at that time that kind of like crystallizes in this moment as that like fresh start that is related to Neptunian um, themes or Piscean themes uh, yeah. of some sort. Now, see, me and Neptune can also go with stuff around. We were talking before about sort of like propaganda and people being caught up in there i mean stuff that's already happening um i think we've had some other moon neptune or maybe it was mercury and neptune. i feel like i feel like in previous aries ingress charts there's something going on with neptune and i'm 
not remembering now that I started talking about it. <laughs> one thing we don't need to do right now for time, but just to throw it out there for people to do on their own time is one thing I did do oh, is I was put that year. I put that ingress chart around um, the 2020 ingress chart and using, I think I was using Placidus and I was like, wow, okay, there's a bunch of hits on just because of that 2020 ingress chart being the ingress before the Jupiter Saturn conjunction. It's kind of a, a big deal. And, um, okay. They are going to bring it up. I'm I'm, (laughs) I'm like, how fast can I do, how fast and efficient can I do this without sharing other people's, I don't have a super great, um, interpretation of that, but, but I, I feel like I heard, um, I need to look back at my notes, but I feel like it was Ben Dykes. I heard giving a talk that talked about this, that you could use that in some texts. And, and I don't know if it was Abu Mashar or somebody else. I don't remember the reference, but that you could use somebody like Abu Mashar. It might not be Abu Mashar who was involved in like really talking about the Saturn Jupiter conjunctions that you could take that ingress chart and then use that you know, other charts around it and subsequent Aries ingress charts, mm. you know, um, like as like a root chart, right. Um, it's like a, that 2020 Aries ingress chart being the sort of like important radical Look at the switch between Venus and Uranus. Like exactly. Almost. Yeah. That was one thing. And yeah, there, there's a bunch of, yeah, there's a bunch of, yeah. I was like, well, there's like a lot. Yeah. yeah Venus is on Uranus's degree and vice versa. If you're not watching this, you're probably like, what are they talking so about? So you have here the flip it the other way though, for a second. Um, so the 2020 is on the inside, but, but that anyway, um, so yeah, that, that's one of the things, well, the Saturn and Pisces is where the Mercury was mm-hmm. in that chart. Oh, the moon is on where Neptune, um, yeah, exactly. Yeah, degrees. yeah, yeah. That was one. Yep. Yep. So it really makes that Pluto on Saturn. Like, exactly. Yes. Yep. Almost by the minute. Yeah, there's a bunch of hits. So, oh, I lost Gray. He disappeared. So, <laughs> and he's back. <laughs> he's the Earth magician that drops in and drops out. <laughs> wow, I'm glad I got back in. I don't know what just you happened. You got in quick. That was fast. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's what we uh, Earth. You were talking about do. Neptune, and then <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> he disappeared. That's, that's exactly it. Well, maybe we should you move can, on. Gray, you can ponder to... that, ponder that element on your own time. Yeah, you can ponder. <laughs> That's too funny. All right. Well, if you're just listening to us, Greg literally popped out of he just disappeared from the Zoom call, uh, and then was back in in the fastest I've ever seen anybody get back into a call. So that was that was magic. All right. Well, we are in Aries season. Um, yeah, I mean Aries season. It's always it's Aries season, you know, this is the (laughs) breath of fresh spring, at least if you're in the Northern hemisphere, but you know, we have that cardinal fire and this is no ordinary Aries season. We have two count them two new moons in Aries, one being on the zero degree, uh, Aries world point, which I guess I can just bring up right now because it's literally the following day, March 21st. And then we finish the season with our first uh, eclipse, uh, solar eclipse at 29 degrees of Aries um, on an anoretic degree, which should be interesting. We also have Pluto ingressing into Aquarius, which we have talked about and activating that Jupiter-Saturn degree. We have Mars finally 
leaving Gemini and moving into Cancer uh, there. Um, we have a full moon in Libra, which is going to be near Chiron. And we just spoke to, spoke about Jupiter Chiron mm-hmm. action earlier there. Um, Venus will move between Taurus and Gemini. And of course, we'll have that Sun Jupiter conjunction to look at there too. So there's just so much fresh in this to me, Gray. What do you think? Yeah, I, I feel like we've talked a lot about the themes just in the interest of time we can don't have to dwell on them over again here but a lot yeah. of the stuff we already were talking about is about this year is 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 happening now so saturn is starting to establish itself in pisces it's like a couple days after this that pluto goes into aquarius it's like i think march 23rd or 24th 23rd 23rd and the um a couple of days after that mars goes into cancer so, you know, Mar- Mars has been in Gemini since, um, was it in August? I'm trying to remember August, now. I want to say like August 20th or something yeah. around there. Yeah. So Mars forever. has been in Gemini forever. <laughs> we finally get um, probably the most excited people will ever be for Mars to enter Cancer, which is the fall of, fall of Mars. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, I know it's going to fall, but just give me anything else but Gemini. <laughs> yeah. And we do get the Mars trine of Saturn that comes in right away. But yeah, yes. so this is where like it's it's there's a definite new, this is where we, we're really getting that new story coming in. Yeah. And I think that Mars- it's, it's very like Aries. It's so Aries. It's like right after the Aries ingress. It's just, it's just like- it's really empowered. It's like, bam. Yeah. Yeah. It's because, you know, before we even get to that, um, basically we have that first quarter moon, uh, in cancer and right at the time that, uh, Mars is trining Saturn, which I think is very big, right. You know, because mm-hmm. much like Mars squaring, um, Neptune, Mars trying Saturn was part of the retrograde cycle too. And so they're, it's interesting to have their final meeting be in two completely, you know, not being in a whole different element, right? Um, it's going to have a different flavor to it. Absolutely. But even though Mars is in fall here, uh, and it's, it is going to have its challenges, it's watery challenges, it's emotional challenges. It's still a cardinal sign. So we take, you know, Mars is out of this airy back and forth heady domain, and it is in the realm of feeling and intuition and, um, you know, just, cardinal is moving forward so there is this burst of aries energy taking place cardinal first quarter moon we have pluto introducing a whole new dynamic into the picture um so you can't really and then venus on uranus like yeah, okay. the, the venus uranus additional thing really propel- really take it at home <laughs> yeah, it takes it home it makes it, it home. even really adds and like sort of like punctuates that just like break out and do this new thing yeah yeah, so you can bet between the Aries ingress on the 20th of March to the end of March, March 30th, um, give or take, like, wow. At, probably one of the, in my opinion, one of the most dynamic <laughs> setups of just um, opening energy of the, the whole entire year in many respects. Yeah, when Pluto changes signs, I mean... Last time Pluto changed signs into Capricorn, um, that was, um, I was into, into astrology then. And that was the first time I was ever aware of, um, I believe, yeah, become pre- 
pretty much I got into astrology with Pluto into the nineties when Pluto's in Sagittarius. And, mm-hmm. um, um, that was the first time I was ever, you know, able to see what happens. And, you know, there was big things with, with Pluto's in the Capricorn last time. I remember the whole, there was a whole economic fallout that happened oh, it, almost to the day. Like it was such a, yeah, yeah it was big. I mean, yeah. And so, um, and I feel like with the Pluto and Aquarius, like we talked about earlier, we're already starting to see stuff already is just like popping up um, already. Like what, what, I forget what that thing is called again. Is it Neuralink that Elon Musk has been um, killing lots of animals testing for a while, or it's like, like putting like computer chips in the human brain or human head. Oh, I don't even That's, know they that. just announced <laughs> recently that there was new developments about that um, to uh so there's stuff like that where you know we kind of know it's coming but there there's our, like we just talked about that fusion thing there's sort of like announced like hey this is going to be coming later yeah like stuff we can kind of associate with pluto and aquarius we're already seeing that entering the news current events and it's yeah like future shock but in your life i guess for those that do whole sign it's pretty easy because this activates <laughs> a new house in your chart and a whole new theme so that's one thing you can think about. And I think just in general, for all of us, we're, we're going to notice something, um, something changing here. Um, yeah. Yeah. And it feels really dynamic too, just at this time period, as well as we get situated in this, like that Mars Saturn trine is essentially kind of forming a, like a, a kite like aspect with the nodes. Um, oh yeah. That's, I mean, that's the other huge thing is, Pluto's already in range of a square of the nodes. Yes. But um, this brings them into like that whole sign square aspect. And they actually don't exactly square till, you know, Pluto goes back to Capricorn and nodes switch. But that's a big theme of the year. It's going to be Pluto. At, we, we didn't talk about that earlier. Pluto. Oh, we, the, we should have talked about that. That Pluto, is a big theme. <laughs> Pluto at the southern bending of the nodes. Um, and so this issue of power and people taking their power back is going to really come up. And I didn't mention this earlier, but just because this came up now, something about Pluto I'm just going to mention is my um, first astrology teacher, Rosie Finn, for over a decade, has been researching and writing a book on um, the cycle of Pluto going out of bounds by declination. And um, it the times where it does this in, has involved um, Pluto and Aquarius and Pluto and Leo for a long time. And sometimes it stretches into other signs, but it won't happen until I think 2026, or maybe it's the end of 2025 when I was looking at that. It won't be for a few years um, until Pluto goes out of bounds, but while Pluto's in Aquarius, it will go out of bounds again but what's really interesting is she figured out that this is going to, because of the weird orbit of Pluto, for thousands of years it's been doing this. It was out of bounds, for example, back when um, one of the ones I remember is when Socrates was alive and and Socrates was like, like killed and all that turmoil was going on. Pluto was out of bounds declination back then. It's been a thing that's been happening with human history for a while, this whole era we've been in. And after this time, I think it goes from like 2026 to 2032 or so, I want to say, it'll be dipping in out of bounds or not a little bit, but it won't go too much out of bounds. And it won't again for like 3000 years. There's something weird about, there's this weird Pluto out of bounds thing that's going to end. And one of the things she's found with this is when Pluto's, this is different than 
lunar node. So, but what it reminds me of when the moon's at the southern bending, so moon is low in latitude. Um, declination is different, of course, because it involves um, the celestial equator. Yeah. But Pluto and Aquarius actually goes out of bounds, but in a southern direction. And she's found that the revolutions often have a little bit more people taking their power back. Um, but anyway, I just think that theme of people power over people, people, there's so much fear. And the the one thing about the conspiracy theories that everybody gets upset about, what a lot of those people to me are perceiving is the threat of a totalitarian um air age police state, right? I mean, if at the heart of it, that's what a lot of it's about. And um, it's not like that isn't impossible that that could happen, right? Yeah. So like either. I know, it's true. So it's like, um, this is an issue that I just feel like is is getting set off, you know, with that lunar node square. And it's just sort of like, like a theme of this Pluto and Aquarius transit. And what uh, it's likely we're going to have some sort of rev- more, there are already revolutions happening, but there'll be likely stuff like that happening we saturn neptune tend to go with that so this is just that theme getting introduced this year i feel like yeah well we're gonna hold our drink for that because i think there's a time period coming up that's going that we could uh elaborate on that just a little bit more um and i think you might know what that is too but we'll we'll save that because uh there are going to be pluto activations uh coming up here shortly so in aries season we we have that full moon in Libra, which is going to happen on April 6th. Um, that is configured. You smack dab in the middle of Chiron and Jupiter. So we were talking about Chiron and Jupiter yeah. earlier. You know, there I feel there can be a revisit to uh, that theme, especially relational, right? Um, and because uh, this is our relational full moon that we get every year when we're like, hello, Libra. Um, and for the first time in a long time, it's they won't have a square aspect of Pluto and Capricorn. Oh now. my God! So Look that's that's that. something different. About that, is this one. that is yeah. big. That is big. It is. Yeah. Been, I mean, it's been a long time that that's been the case. Yeah. Um, so I'm kind of I'm kind of excited about that. Yeah. Uh, now I'm thinking about it. I'm thinking about all my moon pluto square moments especially having the moon square pluto in my chart in <laughs> capricorn mm. and libra right <laughs> so having the having the pluto and capricorn the whole time it was, it was like oh you're just yeah. revisiting um and you, you, have, you have a libra moon or a libra sun or a libra something else and pluto's been squaring it yeah i mean that's a, it's yeah, a big change you, with this yeah you can do a happy dance right so this now. will be i mean that might be <laughs> nice this might be a nice celebration for people with a yeah significant libra placements this full moon in some way <laughs> yeah or maybe even cardinal place, placements yeah. all together, you know, like yeah. finally taking, uh, getting a little bit of that. Fixed people are like, oof. But, you know, anyways, uh, this this feels like a nice full moon just because of the Jupiter connection here. Um, yeah. And like you said, taking Jupiter. off the, the pressure uh, there. So I do want to skip ahead because I know we're yeah. trying to summarize to want to go to this eclipse. Yes. Let's get to yeah, this eclipse real quick. Eclipse. Yeah. So we'll have an eclipse on April 20th, um, 12, 12 AM Washington. Uh, and as you can see by the chart, it is at 29 degrees and 50 minutes of Aries. Uh, now, granted this is, um, <laughs> you know, the nodes are still in, uh, Taurus uh and Scorpio but I mean it's only 
five degree, less than five degrees off there. Um, Gray, do you have any thoughts about just uh, out of sign eclipses when they're, the eclipse itself is in a different sign from the nodes? I mean, I consider them still to be an eclipse. Um, I know oh, it's definitely that's... eclipse. I'm just <laughs> wondering if I mean, I, I guess, I, yeah, that, that wasn't the right phrasing. Sorry. Uh, I mean, I, I don't think it's the impact of the eclipse is personally, I don't feel it's, it's lessened because the nodes in a different sign. Um, it's I think a solar be, hybrid. Yeah. I think it'll be a very impactful eclipse. And what's interesting yeah. is, you know, I, I do believe in whole sign aspects. I don't think, but I, it's, it's one of those things where actually, you know, you might be, Oh, that's whole sign sextile Pluto Aquarius, but actually it's squaring Pluto. Oh, it is squaring Pluto. <laughs> really closely. Cause it's only 10 minutes from Taurus. I mean, it's so close to being a Taurus it's less eclipse. Than a degree. And like, and Pluto's only like 19 minutes into Aquarius. Yeah. It's less than. It's less than a degree. It is, like, it is totally. A, it's a like uh, 39, 39 arc minutes. <laughs> less than, yeah. Less than 40 arc minutes away from one another. So literally yeah. the first aspect that the that the moon is going to make after after right. it, right? <laughs> it'll square it'll square Pluto. So I I think this goes to me a lot about what I was just speaking about as sort of kicking off this like um empowerment of um Aries types of things. Um, I like that Jupiter is is pretty close to the e eclipse. So Jupiter's in there in Aries with the eclipse. Mm -hmm. um, we got Mercury, Uranus together. Um, so the thing to think about is in your chart, wherever you have Aries or Aries placements, this is um, introducing, an, even though it's so close to Taurus, it's still activating Aries. So there's this whole new Aries theme that is going to be coming in this year. And it's not till later in the year that they're going to switch, but we, we get to switch to like the North node being in Aries, which is another reason this year um, to me has a lot to do with just kind of like, you know, being able to kind of push through and, and make some growth and create a lot more new movement and um, yeah. things happening for you. Yeah. Yeah. So, and keep in mind, this is the second Aries It's new moon. It's, you know, it's like, and it's kind of like what I found in, um, a, in 2021 when we had back to back, um, uh, Leo or no, was it, Leo? it was Aquarius full moons when we were in Leo season. And it's like the, the first one sets up the story and then the second one comes around and like kicks it off further. So it's like, we can spend this whole, season and all its dynamic changes getting to this point which is really a strong kickoff especially in relation to the square to pluto mercury and uranus um forming uh, a conjunction together we got saturn sextile the nodes um sextile the north node pretty almost exact um so yeah there is there's freshness there's power dynamics there is p potential verbalized revolt <laughs> in some way, you know, with the Mercury Uranus um, conjunction. This, I mean, it's, it could be something tough on um, collective events, maybe like world leader. I mean, it, it would kind of go with the, the the themes I was talking about. Sometimes they get these like people revolts, like world leaders getting toppled or celebrities or big figures just because it's like the exaltation of the sun being eclipsed right so yeah 
there's that makes sense um, with the qualities with Pluto. Uh, yeah and squaring pluto right on because mm-hmm. once again just reiterating that that is the jupiter saturn conjunction point so the whole time it's sitting there for is um activating something larger a much larger cycle that is underway too and so there's definitely power dynamics going on but in the life of just us lay people this might be <laughs> the the big change the start of a big change um, it, it would be a theme of big change because um even though again like you're saying it's a hybrid eclipse so the nodes are still in a fixed sign because the eclipse is falling in aries it initiates us into this cardinal thing and the cardinal eclipse is just like traditional astrology definition if it's some most simplistic level it is like fast change right it's just like something some new things are coming in change is happening where it's a, it's a cardinal cardinal sign eclipse where we've been in these fixed sign eclipses which are more about these big like long-term changes, changes yeah, yeah yeah exactly yeah so speaking of slower moving let us move on to taurus season um we have taurus season starting literally the same yeah, day as next, the eclipse same day <laughs> <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> So uh, April 20th, once again, we have... Yeah, so I mean, it's interesting that by before the moon even gets to the North Node, the sun's already in Taurus. So it's it's definitely got that cuspy kind of Taurus feel to it. Yeah, Yeah, there is serious cusp action here. So Taurus season, uh, we get another Mercury retrograde in Taurus. Of course, we have the lunar eclipse in Scorpio that will follow, um, you know, because we are in eclipse season here. We have Pluto who will go retrograde um, just as it got a taste of Aquarius. It's like, that's enough. I am ready to turn around. Uh, we have Jupiter ingressing into Taurus, which is also big news. Yeah. Uh, and really big news because it's going to square that Pluto at a zero degree, a fixed sign. Um, and then we're going to have Mars ingressing into Leo and we'll also start to form a T-square with that configuration. So the end of Taurus season and the beginning of Gemini season is, is pretty impactful. Um, so, and this is in keep in mind too, we just had a switch here, right? We just, we saw for the first um, part of 2023 and the end of 2022, all of the new moons were starting at the early, early degrees of signs. And so now we're going to be switching to these lunations that have new moons at the very end of signs. So that's in itself as a switch. I mean, just to think about in in general, if you kind of practice like just degree energy and the idea of like, you know, beginnings, mills and ends, um, that's something to think about, but all right. So what, what is first on this? I think the big thing here, um, and is mainly the Mercury retrograde and, and then the Jupiter ingress to me which and so right after that really soon after this um what is it like the next it's the 21st day, the oh next so day, mercury stationing the whole time yeah oh right but we should have said that we probably yeah. should have Part, said that yeah so mercury is stationing <laughs> so that makes me think it's it's um adding that in yeah a real volatile eclipse well and the moon so. is conjunct it right when it okay so that's mm. interesting i just want to pull back and just touch on this real quick especially since we're at mercury retrograde because mm-hmm. mercury was configured to uranus in that that eclipse but it never makes it there it, mm. you know 
It, yeah, and it doesn't we, quite make it there. It doesn't quite make it there. And we talk about Mercury being in this relation to Uranus during its retrogrades. But interestingly enough, it's like it just it gets a taste of this energy yeah. and this fusion, but it just doesn't quite get there. Um, so it doesn't get there, but it's enough to there'll be a Uranian quality to oh, the absolutely. But but you're right that it won't really there's something that doesn't get completed until later so it comes on. back around. Yeah. yeah. And so the following day should be quite interesting having mercury station with the moon conjunct it right as it stations and then bridging the gap to uranus so talk about surprise the next day it's like it's like yeah. lunar, solar eclipse and the next day you're like oh this okay <laughs> yeah so i think one thing i think about this image wise is because remember we were mentioning jupiter is going to go into taurus and that happens when may 16th so it's it's a few weeks later that Jupiter goes mm -hmm. into Taurus, but Mercury stations retrograde here. I was sort of thinking about like Mercury helping to like, kind of like prepare the soil. You know, the, you think about Taurus being very earthy and fertile yeah. soil. Like, so there's some about Mercury kind of tilling the soil, preparing this Taurus area, you know, for Jupiter to come in. Um, and um, it again will be an er another retrograde earth sign. Um, for mercury with that uranian quality so it's definitely dealing with more practical things in your life and tangible things and making changes around that and um being in a fixed sign it makes me think too but a little bit more like maybe getting out of sometimes taurus can be tar i love taurus but sometimes they can get kind of stuck you know like mm -hmm. with their habits and stuff so it's kind of like maybe shaking up some old habits and things you need to change I think that that's an astute way of looking at, it, especially in regards to, you know, Venus is hanging out in Gemini. And so it, it kind of loosens up the Taurus energy there and she's navigating those Mars retrograde degrees. So perhaps there's kind of themes <clears throat> that come back in around that time. Um, and your Vesta story is back with yeah, the sun, Vesta, sun Vesta and North Node all conjunct on the same day. Because <clears throat> that's the thing too is we're gonna have all these planets start to conjunct the the North Node as they go into Taurus. So, right, that will be a a, a big part of it. Um, but let us but carry thing, on. Yeah, I was go gonna say ahead. maybe May first because May first around May first, um, which is you know a lot of times people celebrate Beltane that day um, traditionally, but it's also speaking of all the labor movements and possible strikes and things like that of that nature it is may day um mercury that. that can be the mercury sun yeah and that's the same day that basically pluto stations retrograde so that's that's a the, that's a big point so yeah at the same time uh, mercury's again getting that reanimation and um really some seedings reseeding of new ideas for this the this, this season ahead Pluto is extremely activated and stationing at that zero Aquarius point. So we can imagine there's, yeah, it's a big um, it's pivot a, point or change point or whatever you want to say. Yeah. And, and and we have to pull it back and realize that we're in eclipse season, right? So what's yeah, going to happen? It's in between eclipses, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And so we're going to get to the point where the moon is going to ingress into Scorpio right before it's eclipse. It's going to square that recently stationed pluto um and activate the the nodes there um and then make its lunar eclipse on uh cinco de mayo 
on May 5th, um, 1.34 p.m. Eastern. So, yeah, there's this big kind of like in-between lead up. So we start with that eclipse and then, you know, Pluto stations, Mercury is stationed. Jupiter is is getting to the edge of Aries. Mm -hmm. um, And we have this Uranian eclipse on may 5th so once again that like that mercury bridging the gap and almost getting to uranus talking with the sun about it and then the sun coming around and and connecting on the eclipse in the days after when the sun makes its conjunction to uranus yeah and what's interesting to me about this sort of what you're just saying is again speaking about the ideas of like movement and big change happening is that we get the we get another um, eclipse activating Uranus because this is really close to Uranus, but that we no longer have the Saturn square. So there is something as on the one, we're going to have one more Taurus eclipse at lunar eclipse after this later in the year. So this is starting to, you know, resolve though these Scorpio eclipse storylines that have been going on the last couple of years, Taurus score Taurus and Scorpio eclipses were like the end of 2021 and all through 2022. But there's something even more purely, I guess, Uranian about this. This is more like Uranus, more just like unhinged and not getting that Saturn square. Yeah. I know, right? You know, it doesn't have that the limitation or that voice of reason or that blockage there. It's like, no, I am fully autonomous i am ruled by venus in gemini who's a little <laughs> it's interesting <laughs> venus and gemini and, and mercury retrograde or uh you know they're in there they're seeing or they're seeing not seeing one one another <laughs> basically yeah and venus is squaring on neptune so this is a pretty wild eclipse it is a, it is a, yeah that too that too so neptune is back into the fray um as well this is a this is a pretty wild eclipse and you know we have to keep in mind that the moon in scorpio is its fall position Mm -hmm. as well so this could can be a bit of a um destabilizing eclipse um potentially emotionally um where some things can kind of come out of the blue and maybe especially like relationally you know thinking about venus and and socially um the one super definitely I, I agree with what you're just saying because of mars being in fall ruling the eclipse but the one other i guess silver lining i would say is we have uh, mars in the exaltation of jupiter uh, applying to a square with mars in the home of sorry applying to a square with jupiter in the home of mars so there's actual mutual reception with uh, jupiter's in the superior square which actually means jupiter is able to sort of improve the condition of that Mars. So that is a hopeful sign about this, that it could maybe, even if there's upsetting emotional things going on, that there's, you know, kind of look for like, even if something upsetting is going on here, kind of look for what is that silver lining? Like what, what could this be, be, you know, keep that in mind that there could be something coming out of this in the end. Well, That's sometimes not, not we're, as bad as it looks. Yeah, no, I like that because sometimes we're upset about something because maybe we're, you know, speaking as a cancer, <laughs> maybe we're starting fresh. Maybe there's this whole new thing on the horizon, but oh, I have to leave this thing I've known or I'm separated from this, you know, 
something I was attached to for a long time, you know, cause it's still a fixed, a fixed eclipse here. Um, and there's all this fresh energy that comes in. And sometimes we have to let go of things um, and release in order to move forward. And that's not always a, an easy experience too. So, yeah. Definitely. So we this can... is really a lead up, right? Because we are cruising along here to, um, yeah, the only thing I was going to say is right before we get to Gemini season, yeah. um, Mars goes into Leo and opposes Mars. I mean, Mars mm-hmm. goes into Leo, Leo and opposes Pluto. I keep, I got to stop. Uh, Mars is opposing this. itself. Yeah, Mars, Mars, goes, Mars goes into Leo to oppose Pluto at zero Aquarius. Do you know right? what Mars opposing itself seems to mean? Like, <laughs> it's like the saying, you're your own worst enemy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, we skipped. And then you're right. Jupiter going to Taurus. We didn't talk about yeah. that. Yeah. So March, so, May 16th. Yeah. So let's do, let's do a lead up here. Right. Let's get mm-hmm. some perspective. We have May 16th. We have Jupiter uh, moving into Taurus. So that's going to be a big shift, right? Cause it doesn't go back into Aries. No, it is that, that period is over. We are. In so there's Jupiter, a definitely normally I'd be saying, this is like kind of like a slow, you know, Jupiter's going to kind of slow it down a bit and sure probably so being in Taurus a bit, but it's like it goes into Taurus, the North North Nid is there, it's squaring Pluto, and then Mars comes into Leo to square it. So it's yeah. a very um propulsive entrance of Jupiter into Taurus. Yeah. Yeah. This is this is big. This is uh you know, especially <laughs> as the moon crosses over it, what just when it happens too, which yeah, is that's interesting. interesting. So the moon's gonna light it up basically on May 17th. And yeah, so we basically have Jupiter ingressing the Taurus, it making a square with uh, Pluto, Mars then moves on into Leo on the 20th to then make a first a squ- uh, an opposition with Pluto and then a mm-hmm. square to Jupiter on the 22nd here once Gemini season turns. So basically this this bridge from Taurus season to Gemini season is lit up <laughs> with, oh, yeah. with um, big, big world activity, right? You know, because once again, we're activating this very sensitive zero degree of fixed signs point. Um, so I bet, you know, it's safe to say I there can be very massive um, world stories going on here. Definitely. And so what's your, what's your initial, um, I mean, what do you think, uh, Jupiter, the Jupiter action seems to be kind of the pivot point (laughs) within it all. And it's configured to the nodes too. So there's, there's so much kind of like, (laughs) yeah, uh, um, seems very fateful, the whole lineup. Yeah. Um, I know I mentioned, I mean, I feel like I'm kind of going to repeat myself, but it's big because of to me, like I said before, Uranus being in Taurus. So even though they don't come together until 2024, we start getting this Jupiter Uranus quality picked up, which combining Jupiter with the North node of the moon and Mercury has recently stationed direct and is moving forward now as a morning star in, in Taurus. It's really some, there's something very um, innovative here. Um, so it's an extremely, um, innovative type of Taurus quality, which is really fascinating because we think about Taurus, you know, being able to really create beautiful forms and aesthetics, but this is a particularly something really, um, 
little bit more accelerated and uh, innovative and even like large. It feels very large, large. right? Like it's large, it's it's intense. It Mm -hmm. is ass a lot of energy, (laughs) you know, to some extent. Like I feel that this is a very big moment where a lot of shifting pieces will start to move into more fixated points of being or residing you know like yeah yeah probably a big world events or some turning point here but um the other thing would be that that waxing sextile between jupiter and saturn which doesn't come in until the solstice turning of the year around the summer solstice or cancer solstice but they're they're now in, in they're getting introduced yeah mm-hmm yeah. And that's really big. That takes us all the way back to that whole inception of a new cycle back at the end of 2020. At so, zero degrees of zero Aquarius. Degrees of Aquarius <laughs> which is where Pluto is, right? And Mars is opposite that point. So there, there's definitely something here about getting perspective about, I think it's a great statement actually for the whole year, but it's literally getting fired up here. It's like, what has this new Jupiter-Saturn cycle been about for you? And what are you doing with it? You know, what hasn't quite come into form yet? You know, what what else do you want to be doing here? Um, getting and maybe just getting more of a realization about what what have we been hit with? You know, we've all been changed and reshaped in such massive ways in these past yeah. few years. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I feel like this. If, if you aren't repositioning yourself and you haven't made it to the sextile point of Jupiter and Saturn or that energy is in your life, it's definitely will be a big kick in the pants to the progress mm-hmm. and the change that you need in your own life. Um, and we're going to see things definitely shifting and reestablishing on the world stage. So yeah, definitely. And and luckily, we're going to be in Gemini season, so at least we'll be <laughs> prepared. <laughs> we'll be more adaptable, hopefully, or mentally. <laughs> well, not so yet. With Mercury has it's still in Taurus, so it's you know Gemini season isn't fully Gemini quite yet. The sun comes in is like. Eh. Um, but that's basically the start of Gemini season. We have the sun activating that Mars. Because uh, that's interesting, too, is like when the sun moves in, the sun is forming a flowing aspects with that Pluto and Mars energy, too. So yeah. It, you know, it's it's kind of mitigates all that tension between Mars, Jupiter and Pluto. The sun is like, oh, here, you know, let me show you. Let me show you the light um, yeah. <laughs> to some extent. So I, I like that there. Um, but the of course, there's going to be mutable tension at play for the first time with the sun making a square to Saturn in Pisces. We have Jupiter going to conjunct the North Node, which seems a very dynamic Um Venus is going to activate, you know, she's in cancer and she's going to move into Leo and activate all that same point that um, Mars did as well. Yeah, I think we could, I feel like we, uh, you can can kind of so we can kind of jump to that. Moving. We could kind of jump to that, but if you actually just realized you probably had more summary to, to go through I there. I do. This yeah, is a big, go through, Gemini's go through got the rest a lot of going on actually. Yeah. Um, because not only that, we have uh, Pluto retrograding back into Capricorn, uh, just as Mercury moves into Gemini and they trine at 29 degrees of Earth signs um, before Mercury moves into Gemini. Saturn stations retrograde. Uh, and then that's when that 
Jupiter makes an opening sextile to Saturn on a new moon (laughs) square Neptune on the Mars retrograde station degree. So Gemini season is really batten for one of the most dynamic. I mean, it's really a, it's like a, it's a heavy hit, like Aries, Taurus, Gemini, like that whole spring season. These all are, these are, these all are active. Yeah. I still like, I prefer this kind of active to the past few (laughs) years, kind of active, but yeah. Yeah. I hear you. It is is dynamic though, but I don't, I I like, this is the kind of dynamic thing. I I'm more into this. I'm down with this. The one thing um, I wanted to do really quick and it is really quick is on the way to Venus going into Leo, which I think is, we should probably go to talking about something. Just thinking about Venus and Cancer, I mean, this is like amazing. Again, I'm just thinking about how much Pluto changes the landscape. We've had every time, right, Pluto's been in Cancer, it's been opposite Pluto. Um, At some point since like 2008. um, And here she's like, ooh, I finally can relax at home. (laughs) Right. It's just like a straight shot through Cancer with. I can kick up my feet. And there's no bad, I, I don't think there's any bad aspects she has in cancer this time because like saturn has uh no there she's mars is already mars is already mars is already well i guess the very at the beginning mars is in cancer so venus and mars are in cancer together but then once mars goes into leo she's just kind of in cancer she's trying she gets a little chiron tension but other than i guess chiron okay but still yeah it's a nice time it's a nice cancer time for Venus there. Yeah. But then when she goes into Leo, this is really big because what day is this? June 5th. Yeah. She will be in Leo until I believe October 8th because she's going to eventually retrograde back. So this yes. is a really big um, aspect of it. And True. yeah, she's, she's introduced by the opposition to Pluto. That, oh, so, that yeah. is, that's poetic. <laughs> That'll uh, that's, and you know, with that's what we think about with the Venus cycle, uh, when she goes retrograde is her her rebirth and her her stripping, right? You know, the the underworld, um uh the burnt off quality of her, you know, going through the sun conjunction. So having the whole sign kick off with an opposition to Pluto. Talk about a turning point for a lot of relationships out there of all times. That's what I was, I was, that's yeah. funny. You're, I was thinking the same thing when I was just looking at, yeah, I think this will be a big turning because we, we're going to come into the Venus retrograde, but this is sort of like, I would just say this is an important time to pay attention. Interesting when I was just referring to this time of Venus moving through cancer for a bit might be some kind of way to get a sense of, um, maybe like emotional needs and relationship or just relation not just romantic, but even like business relationships and things that need to kind of move around or change. And right here, I think something gets introduced here that if it's not dealt with or worked through probably becomes a big big issue once Venus goes retrograde. Right. Absolutely. This would be really more, more than normal. This is a one to really pay attention to and like, entering the sign where it's going to retrograde yeah yeah and there's something to just pay attention if like what gray was saying with kind of that lead up and paying attention to venusian energy right because at the same time we have jupiter on the north node um Mm -hmm. around june 2nd we have mercury finally making it to the conjunction with uranus on june 4th 
And this is all Venus ruled, right? She's in cancer ruling all this. And then she meets Pluto the day after crossing the sign into her Leo territory, her, her reanimation territory, um, and opposes Pluto. So it, that's a pay attention to the beginning of June and the first week of it, because for- there's storylines okay. that are developing. Um, yeah. <laughs> I was going to say for people that are in relationships where you are able to work on your things together and you're, this is actually, I think also could be really positively like empowering, and em- empowering, em- <laughs> em- empowering. I think just because of, um, right. She's squaring Jupiter, but Jupiter's in her sign and Ju- so Jupiter's uh, Venus is receiving Jupiter and then Jupiter's in the superior square again, which just brings that like Jupiterian, uh, influence a little stronger on the, so there's an interesting yeah. thing where the Jupiter can kind of lift up the Venus and Jupiter's in her sign. Um, plus, yeah. So I just think there's something that could be actually very empowering here. It doesn't, ha- I guess it doesn't have ple- ple- Venus hitting this. Sure. If there's a lot of issues that have to be worked through and toxic stuff needs to come up. Yeah. But it could also just be like really empowering and like, let's go do this. Well, you know, let's, you know, let's 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 make this happen kind of quality to it yeah absolutely and you know one of the that's the thing with relationships especially long-term ones is that when you get when you have to bring up the stuff that people have been putting under the rug or you haven't want to dealt with or you need this now because things have to change like th- they, those are make or break relationships moments but the relationships that are strong like that is the soil and the fuel <laughs> that they thrive on because the, and that's that, that's that venus jupiter um to some extent uh of course it can be a little just overindulgence on a very mundane sense but um you know venus and jupiter coming together are usually especially a square some sort of activation and um turning point and you know path way for relationships so this first 10 days of June, you know, and that whole period coincided with the Sagittarius full moon. So, you know, everybody, everybody's out there. Um, and lots of things are being said, uh, definitely dialogue driven. It seems very active period. So, um, what happened, what happens next after that? Oh, basically Pluto. Yeah. Like we said, Pluto. So Mercury and then well, Pluto goes the back tip, to Pluto goes back to Capricorn. Yeah. Yeah. And so on that same day, the 10th, 11th, basically, that's when Pluto moves back into Capricorn, Mercury into Gemini, and they trine. So yeah. that first third, you know, first 10, 11 days of June are pretty lit up um, with Pluto- Plutonian action, Jupiterian, just everyone. Everyone's doing something. And something we haven't mentioned, I'm just realizing that is going on during this whole time is that you can see now Venus and Mars are for people watching the video, Venus and Mars are back together in Leo and cancer. They also were in the same sign together. So what happened is this will keep going as we, we go through, but they, they travel together in the same sign and actually Venus gets fairly, gets a few degrees away from Mars at one point, but they never actually come together yeah. because she ultimately, um, retrograde stations retrograde but there is something interesting that this whole period is going on where there's kind of moving along together fairly close and but what what keeps happening is mars is like the leading edge so to speak of just like hitting mars will hit the ass well i guess except for the case of the moon coming through the moon's going to hit venus before mars but mars will hit 
like uh, Uranus before Venus does and that sort of thing because it's a, it's ahead of Venus but yeah there there's there's kind of moving together they just don't ever they, they don't, don't come meet, together though. actually they don't yeah. come together that's the that's the longer story right and the longer yeah. cycle of it all and really i think this brings us to the new moon on the 18th of june which happens to be configured with a you know saturn yeah. stationing saturn stationing uh at seven degrees pisces at that time um and you know we got a new moon squaring neptune and then basically the jupiter saturn sextile so june 17th through like the 20th you know 19th 20th roughly this is another um intriguing period (laughs) yeah this is a big deal i mean that that uh new moon and again it's really interesting again for the saturn neptune story there's there's interesting things where i I keep noticing how it's getting kind of like pinged a little bit like this would be another one where like saturn station so it's activated and a new moon squares neptune but i think most important is that thing you mentioned with jupiter's coming through to complete that opening sextile with saturn right here wow saturn's just very intensified mm-hmm. um due to stationing so it's at what seven degrees and 12 minutes about. So if you have anything in the that first eight degrees, you know, Saturn's not going to go more than eight degrees into Pisces. So that's the part of your chart to really like look at. Um, and interesting, since Pi- Saturn does rule the first face or decan of Pisces, um, Saturn stays in that first 10 degrees, you know, the entire year, um, which is a decan that, um it's the eight of cups card and that's something we haven't mentioned yet but in the pamela coleman smith rider weight deck there's that it's a very saturnine image of that figure like in red kind of with like a staff kind of walking back into the mountainous area and there's like a watery kind of landscape and um with the, the sextile coming in with Jupiter's rulership here, it really speaks to that, you know, in Saturn stationing retrograde, there might be this need to like turn within, um, sort through things. Um, but it's, it's extremely at the same time, fertile and creative. Um, I know Austin Kopic in the 36 faces book talks about this face being like the labyrinth and sort of how, um, in that internal landscape, we can kind of both imprison ourselves and our mind constructs and also maybe like sort through stuff and kind of liberate us from those mind mental constructs we can have about reality. Um, and so being a Saturn-Neptune time in Pisces and reality being warped a bit and our relationship and things really dissolving and flowing, this is an interesting time period for that, for being... Um, internal something we haven't mentioned that i is that in the chinese zodiac this year becomes the yin uh water rabbit year which is a big change from this past year being a yang water tiger year which is yin water rabbits much more internal but there's a lot of fertility and with saturn you know stationing retrograde here going in the solstice there might be a need to make that space to kind of go within and um but again like we talked about before with that waxing sextile forming between them um it could be a real integration 
And then with Pluto coming back to Capricorn, that to me also kind of speaks to like going within and there's something about that Capricorn Pluto experience that gets resurrected here that, you know, comes back into play that hasn't been worked out yet. Yeah. It, it, it's hard to say because all the other planets are still kicking forward and here Saturn's yeah. like, you know, Saturn and Pluto are the ones that are going back. Um, it does bring to mind just the Saturn Jupiter sextile thinking about the opening sextile to the zero degrees of Aquarius and Aquarius being and Jupiter having just moved over that. Right. And then had a chance to kind of like seed that in Aquarius being more of the the ideal vision, right? The, the airy construct of what that looks like. Um, and having all this time with that personally, uh, and collectively as a cycle. And then here we get to this opening moment and it's form based, right. You know, and mm-hmm. earth and, and water. So it just can be, I feel, I feel like it bodes well just for the bigger story of t- taking whatever the, the vision is and actually the form is now ensuing, um in whatever capacity um yeah i like the two with a new moon squaring neptune yeah because there's i mean we are we already talked about how neptune has its challenges squares neptune have his challenges but it's also very you know like it's very dream oriented and and vision um you know collective vision here um not just collective with it well maybe collective with everybody but you're collecting your own visions there yeah no definitely jupiter territory so that is pretty much how gemini season ends i think that's good for gemini season so let us move on to the cancer solstice and i think we'll try to go a little more concise and wrapped up. yeah we can i think we 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 got through a pretty big big chunk of the year (laughs) yeah we can go faster through this this part definitely cancer i think we have our cancer solstice on june 12th uh and so basically the whole the whole season we got to keep in mind the cancer season the whole season that uh, pluto is getting closer and closer to the bending of the nodes Um, Because the nodes are going to change signs, at least the true node, on July 17th, right in the Mm -hmm. middle of that month. Um, And we have Neptune uh, stationing retrograde uh, the same day that we have a Mercury Sun Kazemi, which is interesting to me. You know, I mean, they're not going to be configured necessarily exactly by an aspect, but the last Mercury (laughs) Sun Kazemi, Superior Kazemi, was also conjunct Neptune. So, but I think it's training Saturn or pretty close, isn't it? The um, let's see. I wrote that in my notes, so I hope it's accurate. uh yes it's pretty yeah it's, it's pretty, pretty close, close. it's pretty yeah, close I it's yeah. A um, yeah it's definitely a trine on the lead up right you know yeah. for both planets uh which will happen J- july 1st there so um we also have sextile jupiter too yeah yeah so there what this is another kind of one of those form building definitely it's, of, it's mediating the the saturn jupiter sextile yeah it absolutely Sext- is yeah it is playing into that 100% and adding a, uh, once again, another connective and kind of familial <laughs> flavor to it. Maybe some home energy that is uh, connected with it. 
Um, but one other thing we have at this time too, right after this period on uh, July 1st, um, uh, we also have Venus who is going to make her first sextile, or excuse me, square to Uranus. Because that is going to be part of her retrograde journey, as Gray pointed out earlier, is going to be squares to Uranus. We also have Mars ingressing into Virgo, um, and the season ends with the Sun trining Neptune uh, and opposing Pluto on the same day that Mars opposes Saturn and Venus stations retrograde in Leo. So Cancer season kind of goes out <laughs> with a little bit of a, a little bit of a bang too. Um, but the primary points seem to be that that early July when with the sun, uh, Mercury Kazemi lighting up Mm -hmm. that Jupiter Saturn, uh, sextile there. And then Venus getting her first square to Uranus. So once again, that kind of relational component, um, and social component is getting a bit kicked up. That's the thing I, I wanted to, yeah. Besides the other thing you mentioned that point, because, um, like you said, even though technically Venus isn't station retrograde until just after the sun goes into Leo, but basically at the end of the cancer season, she's stationing. She's not really moving. She's preparing to station. And one of the things that's so impactful about this retrograde she's going to go through is that square to Uranus. Um, in fact, later, I think it's around August 13th, she forms the retrograde conjunction with the sun. It's not exactly square Uranus, but it's close enough where um this looks like one of those like kind of i would be expecting civil unrest type of venus retrograde periods and this is the first aspect so there's something important about how that's going to play out that comes in here yeah she is she is lit up And will you know this is that inter- introductory that the the introductory of the rebellion of what that yeah. looks like will be coming in here. So basically, we have our we'll have our full moon in Capricorn on uh, on July third and back to the full moon and with Pluto. We haven't had I know. We're not actually getting away from that with the full yeah, moon in Capricorn. <laughs> not, maybe in a, maybe next year. Yeah. Um, but that really brings us to uh, kind of more the end of the season because yeah. I think that's where the meat of the story is. Yeah, here. maybe like the seventeenth, if you have the, yeah. the node Let's switch. Go, the node switch around the seventeenth, eighteenth. I'll just put on the eighteenth. Yeah, right. right basically, on right on that new moon. Yeah, and it's square, and it's interestingly a new moon. It's the new moon that's like in between eclipse season. So it's squaring the nodes and the nodes are actually switching right then. So it's definitely interesting from that point's perspective. Yeah. And it is opposing that uh, Pluto at 29 degrees of Capricorn. Um, yeah. So we get two. Yeah. We get this big um, the um, Pluto activation again, like you're saying, back to that cardinal Pluto activation with Cancer and the node switching, we've already talked a little bit about Aries and this, um, I guess I just want to talk about positively. So the, the positive way to think about this would be Aries bringing in this like impulse, um, going for it, making things happen, um, 
but with Libra being the south node, I I don't it's you you know you don't want to just be like oh let's just do the north node and the south node's bad. Um, there's there's good things about the south node, and it's the main point is it's the it's marking right the orbital motion of the moon. It's the moon's orbit crossing the ecliptic, so both sides are important to have in balance, and so. Libra being a yeah about relationship about teamwork about um, um as we mentioned earlier that there can be the one side of like fitting into group dynamics um there could be some issues around that you know where are you being too Libra and where, where do you need to kind of be more asserting yourself versus like where do you need to like hey don't be so individualistic and need to think about the relationship or think about the group. Um, and what's interesting is Venus and Mars stay as the rulers. They just switch places up until now. Um, Venus has been ruling the North node in Taurus and Mars has been ruling the South node in Scorpio. Now we switch to Mars is ruling the North node in um, Aries and Venus is ruling the South node in Libra. Um, if you want to bring in exaltation rulers, I guess we get a couple of new ones coming in with like the sun <laughs> and Saturn, but um, anyway, I don't know if yeah. there's more about that you want to say it, than well, that. It is, but that's... It's, it's interesting. Just, it, just think about the switch, right? You know, mm -hmm. like it's like the same rulers, but it's just a switch, you know, we, we were moving towards Venus the whole time and now we're going to be moving towards Mars. Um to some respect, I mean, it it is a balance. It's always a balance. And we're going to experience either end. Um, but there is, just to reiterate what you said earlier in the program about just the energy of Cardinal, right? Cardinal is pivot energy. It's fast. It is, it's here, it's here one day. And then it turns around and goes somewhere else the, the mm -hmm. next day. So just the nature of that quality, especially how it's going to um, affect the dynamics of all relationships <laughs> to, to some extent will be a very big piece of this nodal access change and, here. And, and when we get to this is the actual Pluto square, the nodes finally hitting. Um, yes. Pluto exactly. being at the Southern bending and evolutionary Jeff Green's version of evolutionary astrology I actually like this technique that goes along with it. It's just like it's people are familiar with it being the Southern bending. He looks at that as being um, the South node is the resolution. So there's a back and forth thing at play here with the nodes. He and his technique emphasizes the South node um, as being the resolution node and the, the South to, to get the whole thing balanced, the, the South node is the one that needs a little bit more attention. So it's that Libra relationship piece, which can both be, how are you losing yourself in relationship? But it can also be like, you know, you need to pay attention to your relationship also. And on all those types of themes we were just talking about. Yeah. yeah. And so this is basically where it enters and it, it, it's very convenient that it enters uh, with a square to Pluto. <laughs> it's like, talk about another dramatic um entryway but i think just this new moon in general will be one of uh one of the most interesting of the year uh, just because it's a cardinal new moon in cancer we got mars opposing saturn in its own you know cycle mars saturn cycle which is 
a dynamic setup for a whole lunar cycle of just pushing energy and endurance and knowing your limits and what are you striving towards, you know, <laughs> within that. And then there's all the pressure of Pluto at the bendings. Um, and so it feels yeah, like know, a big pivot point. Yeah. Something just occurred to me. I, I, I think just that relationality of, of Libra as a South one is going to be important. And um, it's interesting. There's been this big trend in astrology I've noticed in recent years where a lot more people are thinking about astrology from a relational, relational perspective yeah. and um, being relational with the planets, forming relationships with the planets and not just that, but a more animistic perspective in general, forming relationships with like all sorts of like other than human things and ancestors and things like that. So I like that. There's something about that that I think really comes in with this, um, that relationality being an important part that needs to be there as part of what, how that Aries, um, that kind of feeding into and empowering that Aries um, building, you know, initiating pioneering quality. So it needs to take that Aries uh, drive and protection and impulse needs to have all the relationships in mind well and this is a this would be a good time well don't stop listening here but you know i do have an excellent episode with michael j morris where we talk all about this inner uh relationship um especially in relation to the the sun and the self yourself because we are all in relation with everything and so our self is part we come to know ourselves through the relation of everything we encounter so um yeah. That sounds cool. Yeah, then that makes me think. Yeah, actually, we could we could even extend that to the inner multiplicity of all of everything within us. Yeah, especially as the sun is exalted in Aries, so mm -hmm. <laughs> there is that. So, yeah, July seventeenth around this time is is big day, and of course, it leads us to Venus going retrograde on the twenty second of July, literally on the last day the last degree in the last minute of the sun in cancer, like this, the sun moves into Leo literally like two hours after Venus goes retrograde. Yeah. This is big um, Leo, big Leo energy. Um, Venus is very close to Regulus here. So she is in the heart of the lion stationing retrograde. And actually we were saying before about, you know, Venus having a hard time. I feel like this is like a year where maybe Venus had a hard time last year and here, Venus here is just like, all right, let me, you know, she's going to make a power play here. She's going to make a power <laughs> play. I like it. She is stationing in essentially uh, a trying to the North node. It's not quite. Um, it'll take a bit for before they meet. But um, that's interesting to think of, too, there. So let's talk about Leo season. Um, let me get my Leo on July 22nd. So, of course, it starts off with a lot of activity. We got Venus stationing retrograde. We got Pluto at the exact bending of the nodes of this at this time. We also have Chiron stationing retrograde. If you follow Chiron, uh, that will be some act, some uh, more fire activity going on. We have Mercury uh, squaring Uranus, um, which is interesting just in relation to, like we said before, all the Mercury retrogrades that are configured to Uranus. So there's some peace that comes out of that. We have the sun uh, making an opening square to Jupiter in Taurus. 
Uh, and then, of course, we have the Venus retrograde in sun activation, which will be square Uranus uh, while they're making their Kazemi just before a new moon in Leo. So should we just roll up to that? Yeah, that Venus, that sun, like the, sun Taurus Venus activation. Yeah, the main thing here is, is you know, the typical things we associate with Venus retrograde. And, and in case you're not familiar with that she gets um really intensified you know she as she's going into this she actually gets very bright in the sky she's then coming in much closer to us in orbit her presence is really extreme and just being in leo and um even though you know people say um venus doesn't have like being in a fire sign or peregrine or whatever true and i know that has me that has meaning but i I'm, maybe it's because i'm a venus and aries but i think i love venus fire signs there's a really interesting quality she takes on in fire signs and venus um we think about normally venus retrograde one one of the things is often civil unrest and things um societal relationships needing to be um, purged or changed or renegotiated or whatever. Um, that's absolutely going to happen with the square to Uranus. And then same thing in relationships, you know, um, when there's stuff that's kind of not been talked about or buried or not dealt with Venus retrograde can be times where something, um, you know, really forces the issue. And, and be, again, with the square to Uranus, that would be the case. Um it is interesting, though, that that square to Uranus, Uranus is in the, the sign of Venus. Plus, you know, before this retrograde is over, Venus is going to go back to also get some Jupiter connection. So I think personally, there's a lot of um, actually potential good that can come out of this Venus retrograde. And it could be a lot of things about what do you, what do you really, what do you really want to creatively actualize about yourself? What's in the way, you know, changing that. Because it's there's a Jupiter that Uranus activation followed by a Jupiter activation followed by another Uranus activation as, as Venus goes backwards and forwards, and yeah, the Jupiter just, quality adding with Uranus would also really to me add up the collective movements and unrest and that kind of thing happening too. Right. Yeah. Because it's it's you know Jupiter's not going to make it to uranus but once again we have a big lead up and especially when it comes to collective movements a lot of times we have things you know we have a we have a brewing story <laughs> brewing story. Is... venus is very much weaving it this, uh, the venus retrograde is weaving it together yeah yeah and so um you know that's interesting to think about just kind of that trade-off uh between august 7th with the uh, sun squaring jupiter August 13th, when uh, the sun and Venus meet, and then um, Venus retrograding back to square Jupiter. So there's like this trade off, this trade off, and this met in the middle <laughs> with the Uranian component. So, um, yeah, I feel like this is a big, there's a big, you know, self, self love dynamic. Yeah. Go, and, 20... and like awakening to what that is and growing into that. And, yeah, like a sensual quality, especially with the the Taurus part. Um, you know, despite the world scale, it's like I like I feel like 
it can be like an awakening of like really feeling yourself <laughs> in some way, like your embodiment, mm. your spirit, you know, like just the personal story and, and the desire energy and how desires change or desires are awakened um, and what we're attracted to and like the, the magnetic pole that, um, that we na- navigate life through, right? You know, we're always moving towards what pulls us to some extent. So like that could that could change a little bit or grow or develop into new form. Yeah, that's a really good point. And then uh I guess this August 13th is just like the heart of it. So especially if you have 20 degrees of Leo configured Which to I something do. interesting. <laughs> yeah. It's a big moment. And this is that heart of the Leo retrograde where um things get regenerated and whatever's happened up to now, hopefully it's, you know, stuff starts getting a little bit more figuring out what's been going on. And yeah, you're just, I really like that about um, reanimation of self or reconnecting with yourself, actualizing yourself more creatively and with your desires and everything. Yeah. Cause the sun is in its own sign, right? At least she's reanimating with a powerful, mm-hmm. <laughs> a powerful yeah. sun there. Definitely. So that's essentially the Leo season. Mm-hmm. I think we can. I think we can. I kind, move I kind on, of yeah. like. I kind of like that. <laughs> I'm, kind of, I'm feeling that. All right. So let's go on to Virgo, August 23rd. So Virgo season. Um, we have lots of stations happening in Virgo yeah. season. We have Mercury stationing retrograde and direct all in the same season. We have Uranus stationing retrograde. We have Venus stationing direct. We have Jupiter stationing retrograde. Uh, we have a Sun Mercury inferior Kazemi in trine Jupiter, uh, who's stationing retrograde at the same time between the September 4th and 8th. And then, of course, we're going to have that Sun opposition to Saturn and Pisces um, and Mars moving into Libra. So any you want to skip to the sun mercury kazimi or what sticks out to you most within yeah i mean this is like we have like we've talked about the previous you know mercury retrogrades this is another mercury retrograde in earth sign that sort of like the taurus one it's not completing a perfect trine to uranus but it's within a few degrees of the trine to uranus um it is mercury in its exaltation so this is interesting in terms of we're, we're still in the Venus retrograde, but she is, uh, Venus is likely rising here. Venus is becoming actually would have already actually will already be visible at this point, but Venus is kind of hitting that 15 degree mark of defining the helical rise here. So we got Venus, uh, coming out into the world really strong and in that square to Neptune or square to Jupiter. Talk squaring about Jupiter, yeah. I know. She's like, she's like, I'm to, really strong. Look at me. That's square to Jupiter. Yeah. So it's really empowered. And what's interesting is that there's, yeah, like all the stuff you were saying before about the Venus retrograde to be really coming out here. It's very visible. You're wanting to start taking action off. But then Mercury goes retrograde, trining Uranus. So I think that can be something very creatively innovative here. Um it does make me think with like Venus, not yet. Venus is going to station direct not too far into it. What, like September 3rd, which is a few yeah. days before the Mercury and conjunction. Yeah. Cause so, it, um, 
because Uranus is stationing at that same time too essentially Mm. that whole mercury stationing yeah everything does yeah 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 there's basically a full moon in pisces and right around that full moon on august 30th um two days before it uranus stations a few days after it venus stations and then jupiter stations so they all <laughs> it's like a whole line of like planetary action you know venus emerges mercury and uranus tuck back in you're know, like there's a yeah there's there's so, a lot of that <laughs> well we can and with a full moon illuminating illuminating all of this at the same time and it's it's not conjunct saturn but it's really close to saturn um we can just know virgo season brings you know plot twists yeah narrative story like yeah. something is changing here and i, I would say you know you, it's not like you have to like sometimes that like review and those things are people always throw out with mercury retrogrades it can sound a little cliched but this would be one where yeah you you are gonna <laughs> there's a bunch there's so much changing here where you're gonna need to keep uh, uh that be prepared for that mercury retrograde to like hopefully help you adjust to all the stuff that's changing because there's definitely changes here what you thought might have happened might not end up happening exactly like that you you kind of got to leave room to work out whatever's going on here yeah it seems like you're going to have to use strategy and move your puzzle pieces in different places through certain developments like you said that you might not have anticipated yeah but that's where you can use that discerning power of mercury in virgo and especially in a very tangible space, right? Maybe you have to find a new job or you have to move money around or you have to uh, organize a house or create, you know, like there's all these like variables um, that will, you know, because Mercury or just Virgo in general, Virgo season is when earthly reality shifts, it moves around. This is like the most active period of like when you see transition on earth, like before your eyes like it's literally happening so mercury is probably going to be figuring out all those pieces of the puzzle um during this time obviously and the conjunction on september 6th um in a trine to jupiter i feel will help you figure that out (laughs) yeah and it's jupiter stationing retrograde at the same time interestingly so there's Something here, it's very much almost like you know, that forward movement, of, forward movement of Jupiter is pausing. There's something about coalescing inside about everything that's happened, that's been happening, and yeah, making those adjustments. All right. I'm going to change my, my headphone here. Greg, can you hear me? Yeah, I can. All right. I can hear you too. Okay. My AirPods have died because we are too loquacious people. We're getting, at least we're turning the corner to the end of the year here. Um, We're turning the corner. I mean, if you want to, you know, speed it up a little here. I mean, there's a new moon on Virgo on September 14th. And then the next day, Mercury stationing direct. So it's, it's a nice, I like this new moon. Because the new moon is, um, it's the middle of September. It's trining Uranus, Mercury stationing. Again, it seems like this really interesting um, Uranian quality comes in, which is sort of a theme for the year. I feel like Uranus keeps showing up, and I know there's some hard aspects to to Uranus, but I keep sort of feeling like 
there's something here that we've been dealing with Uranus and Taurus for so long now. <laughs> it's like, you know, use that innovative aspect of Uranus to come in here to, to help with whatever's happening. Cause we, you know, we don't have, who knows what's going to be going on collectively in world events at this point. There's all sorts of yeah possibilities. There are all sorts yeah. of possibilities. <laughs> that is, that is for sure. Yeah. Um, but at least we're flowing with them, right? You know, we're getting the try. We're in the trying to Uranus. We are moving. We're doing our Earth magic, right? This feels yeah, very this Earth is, magic. This is Earth magician me. time here. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So mid September, we kind of get, uh, and it's Mercury emerging, right? You know, yeah. We're doing Mercury's our so likely rising. Yeah, Mercury's. Mer- it is literally the Earth magician because Mercury is like stationing, becoming visible. Yeah, yeah ruling so it. How do you want to move your earth around? What are your intentions? How, what are all, how do you need to, uh, you know, move, move everything around, shake it up. So I like, I like that about this period, um, which really brings us to Libra season and yep. our fall equinox. Um, and so the fall equinox, uh, we have our final uh, Venus square to Uranus. So she'll complete that journey. Um, we have planets that are going to start to conjunct the Libra South Node mm-hmm. at mm-hmm. at this point, and you know Mars is sitting in the middle of Libra, so Mars is the first to do so um, to conjunct the South Node, and of course uh, square Pluto right after that. Um, we also have Venus ingressing into Virgo and opposing Saturn. And we have Mars ingressing into Scorpio just before we have a solar uh, south node solar eclipse in Libra. So we're getting back into eclipse mm. season, right? Um, and then the season ends with a Sun Mercury superior Kazemi that is also square Pluto. So, and is there anything I'm missing there, Gray? That sounds great. <laughs> You does that sound great? You 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 up for the season? Yeah. <laughs> so that Venus Uranus story is changing. Um, yeah, I mean that's a, that's nice. Yeah, that feels like one of the really big things at the beginning of the month. Um, it's happening basically the same time as that full moon in Aries you mentioned. Yeah, so pretty we, much the exact September 29th. Yeah, and Mercury would be trining uh, Jupiter here. Oh wait. Uh, maybe trying Uranus trying Uranus yeah so Mercury has moved from the trying to Jupiter to the trying with Uranus here and um which is sort of starting to finish so that's kind of interesting there's a couple things finishing up here which is the full moon's like illuminating Mercury's done its retrograde it's come back to finish that trying with Uranus Venus has done its retrograde They've come back to square Uranus the last time. So that's really well interesting yeah. here. It kind of pulls us out of um what I'm thinking. I just saw kind of a piece of piece come up because right, we're leading to the end of the season being a south node solar eclipse in Libra, mm-hmm. right? Which is gonna be Venus ruled. Mm-hmm. And so here we see Venus leaving that square with Uranus at the same time as the Aries full moon. And this is like that's always a big relational fo- full moon, right? Mm-hmm. You know, you're feeling into yourself and your own needs and you're like versus, you know, the dynamics of the of a partnership or, <laughs> you know, um yeah. So there just seems to be maybe this final Uranian notch with Venus that kind of lights up to the full moon that is going to eventually 
carry into the south node solar eclipse in libra as far as like the state of relation um on many injustice you know on on many levels uh this seems to just sort of be like a exclamation point in time that i think leads us to that that solar eclipse yeah that's a good point and mars is ruling the um Aries mean and is basically at the solar eclipse degree at the south node. Yeah. What's kind of neat about this, I think this is probably, because, you know, we talk about when the Mars activates the eclipse, like maybe it's good that Mars is activating, the eclipse hasn't happened yet. (laughs) So Mars, but I guess what is happening is Mars will then go over the, will oppose when Mars gets to 20, you know, right before Mars goes into Scorpio, essentially it is activating that previous Aries eclipse degree by opposing it. It is. And squaring Pluto yeah. right before it. So, so it's definitely not spot Mars territory. Yeah. We're, <laughs> Especially we're back relationally. In, yeah. Yeah. No, that's true. That's a good point about the Aries full moon. Yeah. So just keep in mind on September 29th, there can be a lot of changing dynamics with relationships with, uh, you know, social, um stories with uh justice related stories you know with the the libra component court cases you know things along those lines um but yeah she feels like because that all that retrograde period and that uranian action this is that that's this is that leaving moment and her getting to the end of her shadow there and of course what's interesting is of course she's going to move into uh virgo and so yeah, having that's... the solar eclipse with venus and fall yeah yep. <laughs> yep but this brings us finally to the end of the venus and leo which was back on sometime in i can't remember the date now when venus first went into leo um it was I forget too. We've we've said so much. Yeah, but months. I think it was back in June, but I don't remember the date at the moment. Let's see, I guess that's what I have software for. June fifth. I thought it was June fifth. Oh, okay, June fifth. Should have just okay. said it. I wasn't. I was not <laughs> trusting my memory. Um. Yeah. So it's since June fifth. Um. So, so that's yeah, four it's, months. It's, it's, yeah. Yeah. And so, um, but you're right. Then Venus is going into her fall and posing Saturn, like right away. Saturn. Yeah. So there's, she gets pretty serious. And then Mars is still kind of near the South node. The sun's coming near the South node. Mars is getting to activate that eclipse degree. Mars is square (laughs) Pluto. So this, 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 there could be some rocky, rockier stuff here to be working out. That's, that's coming up. Yeah. Yeah. I think this is definitely a lead up, you know, Venus feel, I feel like Venus is getting entirely realistic and she's ready. You're right. This would be, that's <laughs> a great point for like, if you think what the larger picture of everything gets, that gets stirred up by that Venus retrograde, sometimes there's a delayed reaction where it's not like it all, everything is, changes. And at this point, Venus and Virgo is going to probably let you know what's wrong with the picture with yeah if, if um <laughs> she's gonna let you if things gonna... are not if things are not going the right way so yeah that, that would definitely be happening here yeah so we have a lead up to a solar eclipse on the south node in libra ruled by this venus she opposes saturn 
basically mid-October opposes Saturn. She's going to keep cruising to then trine uh, Jupiter, right? You know, um, she is moving along. So that's kind of in between that eclipse that takes place on October 14th. We have a 21 degree solar eclipse um, on the south node. Mars will have moved into Scorpio at that time. Uh, Venus, as we just said, is leaving her opposition with Saturn. She's basically caught between opposition with Saturn and moving towards a trine with Jupiter there. Um, Mercury is kind of all up in the business, but combusts, you know, <laughs> like... Um, I mean, that, and opposing Chiron. So, yeah, I mean, there's some tough stuff there with that, but that trine from Venus to Jupiter is nice with Jupiter being in Venus's sign. That's at least something helpful. Yeah. And, and this I would think, be the go ahead. I was going to say, this is just like a real proper Libra eclipse, really close to the south node of in Libra. I think it's an annular eclipse. This one was like, looks like a ring ring of light eclipses where it's mostly black, but that outside ring of light. Um, yeah. And um, so th that, that, that storyline of the Libra Aries story, that's going to start going back and forth is, is really getting um, developed here, whatever that is for you with like your chart and everything. And yeah. it's also squaring Pluto. So it brings in that um, Pluto aspect again, that's been, with us, you know, we Pluto's been squaring the nodes the whole time, but I guess there's probably something that really comes in into fruition and whatever that underlying dynamic has been with Pluto squaring the nodes, like really comes in strong here. Yeah. And, you know, the more as we talk about it, talk this out, that whole transition between Pluto and Aquarius and, and Capricorn dancing back and forth is highly activated. Yeah. This year. So, you know, we're getting out of Saturn Uranus territory, but we are navigating <laughs> and uh, entering new Pluto themes and wrapping up old ones. So um, it does bode, bode well for change, um, but also purification. Something's not working. If something, you know, you need to address, you know, it's not, it's, it feels like this is the year not to go along with it. This is the year to like, no, I'm changing. I'm right. I am setting up this. This is um no more. Um yeah. yeah. And the Mars and Scorpio at this point does give a that interestingly, Mars becomes like this really extreme. We're just talking about essentially dignities of the planets. Mars just is like the planet. It's 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 in its own sign, it's in its own bounds, it's in its own this is like that part of where Mars is so powerful by essential dignity to the beginning of Scorpio and none of the other planets, nothing else is no, in there yeah. except Mercury's in Libra, which is at least an air sign. It's a triplicity ruler, but still Mars is like the, so there's something where like, yeah, maybe leaning into the Mars, like you were just saying. Well, it is trying really Saturn, you know, that's the yeah, thing with all, Saturn. These, mm -hmm. all these planets going into Scorpio as we get into Scorpio season is they're going to make trines to Saturn who's getting ready to station um, at zero degrees of uh, Pisces. So that does bode well for Mars. Um, yeah, absolutely. And, uh, and does give us the willpower to um, make new constructs, you know, uh, make 
maybe emotionally difficult decisions <laughs> that uh, are better in the long run, you know? Mm -hmm. Um so let us move on to Scorpio season. Great. Here. That's what I was going to say. The same thing. Let's just go to Scorpio now. Let's just get into Scorpio, which is literally like the day later, October. <laughs> oh, no. Well, I'm no, it's not. But it's, wrong, I, wrong. It's, it's the right. It's like a week later, but it's a good move, I think. Yeah. There we go. October 23rd. So Scorpio season, um, just like Mars that I just mentioned, basically, basically the sun, uh, Mercury... Oh, Mercury crossed over. Well, we didn't say that. There was at the end of Libra season, there was a Mercury superior conjunction in Libra um, right before that. Just a little FYI and then square Pluto. Um, so there is that component like right not too long after the uh, eclipse takes place on October 21st. So that's a, it's an interesting lead up to Scorpio season, right? You know, you get <laughs> a sun, Mercury, Kazemi, square Pluto. And then you're like, mm -hmm. oh, you're in the season of change and decay and <laughs> transforming dynamics. So basically, you know, Mercury, the sun, Mars had already there. Everyone's trining Saturn. Yeah. Um, and we're on our, we're on our way to a uh, penumbral eclipse, lunar eclipse in Taurus, which is going to be configured to Mars, Mercury, um, which is going to, wait, I think my notes are weird. Well, <laughs> anyways, to Mars, Mercury, and Jupiter, and then Saturn. Mar Mars is opposite Jupiter at the lunar eclipse Yeah, it's in Taurus. Yeah. Uh, and it looks like we have a lit up martian new moon in scorpio because there's going to be a sun mars conjunction in opposition with uranus yeah. and a trine that's a and neptune that's a big thing <laughs> that's a really big deal that mars kazemi yeah so let's just move to the lunations because those seem yeah. to be the most important here um so we have the eclipse on october 28th uh the yep. lunar eclipse in taurus and this is the final one gray right isn't this the final, this is a final this? yeah this is the final one these fixed sign eclipses just really stretched it out because the first one was like two years earlier and towards the end of 2021 in taurus this is a final one and I, I really like this one um the moon is still being eclipsed in the same sign as Uranus, but it's pretty far from Uranus and it's actually really close to Jupiter. So Jupiter is in between the moon and Uranus, which I think is helpful. The Mars and Scorpio is opposite Jupiter. So, and so is Mercury. It's very dynamic. Um, but compared to the other eclipses we've had this past year, I, I like this. This one has more, um, beneficial quality to it it seems like like it may be some more like helpful productive kinds of changes and things like that coming yeah. in Especially um the mm. go ahead i was gonna say the big thing um just if you want to unless you have something else to say about this one is just that mars is combust at the same yes. time as this eclipse and so that is happening um all through Scorpio season is, you know, Mars is sort of in the, in the underworld in Scorpio, but really in its element and getting to be very hidden and secretive, <laughs> sort of the perfect setup for Mars. And um, we then get to, um, so there might be, there's probably really interesting behind the scenes moves happening all during yeah. this time because Mercury is also combust with Mars and Scorpio 
but we get to that um, November 17th. Well, I guess there's a new moon and you want to do the new moon first on yeah. November 13th. Yeah. The November 13th. Yeah. We got a new moon that's configured uh, pretty closely to Mars here. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that one is opposing Uranus <laughs> pretty, pretty directly. Um, so whatever we were conspiring behind the scenes, it feel <laughs> like a surprise. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, Uranus is back in the picture, right? You know, that's yeah. uh we're not getting away from Uranus this year. No. No. It is configured to many of the lunations in one way or, or another. So, yeah, reconfigurations, sudden changes. Well, not maybe not so sudden cuz it's in Taurus, but yeah, they're they're shifting shifting energies here. But I like the what you said about the behind the scenes and just yeah, I feel like there's going to be a lot of like ninja moves taking place. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, then this November 17th, that's when we get to that thing you mentioned before. So what's interesting, Mars goes from opposing Uranus and then the Mars-Sun conjunction. They both are, um, which is also, you know, when Uranus is, is like close to us as it gets, um, sometimes it's actually visible even. Um but then that Mars is superior conjunction of Mars where Mars is regenerated, reanimated, and Scorpio happens, um, trining um, Neptune and Pisces. And um, the moon is actually, looks like it's in Capricorn around that time. So the moon's even in the exaltation of, of Mars. And in fact, I've actually looked ahead at this. I kind of like this as a chart to do. So I'm going to do something Mars in your life. It's if you ever want to work with a Mars in the underworld not visible but being close to the conjunction because the moon's in um it's like you know this means in a harmonious aspect to mars here it makes me think of it just makes me think of um two things a the whole mars neptune dynamic of the retrograde right Mm. and the fact that the the sun mars synodic cycle is setting up after this fact and also that we had a lunar eclipse that was in the same position in 2021 that was trying yeah, that's a really good point actually you know it comes back to that eclipse degree yeah. again so there, there seems to be this large like there's a bigger story <laughs> there might be so yeah so when you think about that scorpio eclipse earlier um this year was that may 16th I want to say, um, uh, oh, the Scorpio eclipse. I think it was, uh, Cinco de Mayo. <laughs> oh no. In 2022. I'm oh, 2022. Um, yeah, no, that was like right smack dab. Yeah. I think it was the 16th. Yeah. And so it was a lunar eclipse basically right. Or I thought that's what you're saying. I, I think that is something that in the might be interesting about all the maybe chaotic changes that were happening earlier this year, back in May, Next year in Scorpio, there might be something, yeah, this kind of new push development building off of that, perhaps. Um, it's what I'd like to, the, way, the, way that, the way that I'd like to think about it. Um, there might be still, you know, world event disruptive things happening based on some of those events, but just personally, yeah, coming back around and 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 this is a you know, this is a start of a whole new synodic cycle with Mars much stronger. Yeah. 
you know, the last one in Libra with the sun mm-hmm. in its, <laughs> you know, the a, sun in its fall, the Mars that, in its detriment, you yeah, know, like this was, is a better situation. That was a tough one. It was a um, tough one. The other <laughs> thing is Venus has been in Libra. We didn't mention Venus going to Libra on November 8th, but Venus is in Libra during this time too. So that's at least something also that's in the mix. Um which bodes well for all the activity that we saw earlier uh, with lead up to the solar eclipse and Venus squaring Uranus, you know, the whole like kind of relational bit. Yeah. Venus and Libra, that should help a little bit relationally. And yeah. And same with Mars and Scorpio, you know, Mars and Scorpio, like yeah. they're, yeah, there's the it's more solid dynamic. So that really brings us to Sagittarius yes. season. And da, 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 da. Sagittarius season starts November 22nd. Um, our joyous Jupiterian time of year. Yeah. And this, although. <laughs> I can say, yeah, this one has a little bit more of a harsh opening to it's it. It's a little wet it's blankety like, when uh, yeah. with Saturn and Pisces squaring, uh, squaring that zero degree <laughs> Sagittarius sun there. Um, and of course, Mars. So basically yeah, I was going to say because I was thinking because Mars goes into Sag almost right away and squares Saturn. Yeah. yeah. So, so it's basically Sun square Saturn, then Mars square Saturn, um, and Mars is going to square Saturn actually really near the uh, full moon in Gemini. We also have Venus making a conjunction with the South Node, uh, and then yeah. squaring Pluto, and then moving into Scorpio. And then doing the trying to Saturn, you know, that's that lead up. We have Neptune stationing direct, which uh, Neptune is in a player too. Man, all these, all these cats. Um, We have Sagittarius new moon with Mercury and Venus lighting up Jupiter as Mercury stations retrograde. So, you know, we're getting to the end of end of the year here with that. But that sun, yeah, that beginning of Sag season with the sun squaring Saturn and then Mars two days after it feels three days after it. Um, yeah, it might not be the jo- most jovial <laughs> of energies, um, but. Is that after Thanksgiving? Yeah, we don't need to talk about that. Never mind. I think it's. I don't. We don't need to talk about Thanksgiving. I don't want to actually. I, was, I think no. I think that I think is during smack during dab it. during Thanksgiving. So expect <laughs> yeah, a. Say, be careful who you invite to Thanksgiving. <laughs> as I was, what I was going to say on that one. Yeah. Yeah, you're you're gonna be cooking um, <laughs> way. You're gonna have way more work to do than you normally would. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But then um the full moon, and then the other thing is that the full moon comes in right there, and it's basically opposite. Um, mars so that's just kind of part of that opening it's it's um maybe a little rocky but you know it's it's definitely active and dynamic and um let's see feels like we have a lot of stuff going on that's all really to me you know it's just yeah and we got to handle a lot of things i mean we're not getting away from another gemini full moon with mars right because this year we had mars retrograde on the gemini full moon and now we have the opposition um yeah and the other here. thing is um we'll see mercury's at 24 i don't know if mercury's hit its shadow zone degree yet but it's fairly close because what happens after this full moon is um mercury goes into capricorn on december 1st and that's where mercury's going to go retrograde so there's we actually get if you count the fact that mercury was retrograde at the beginning of the year 
it's like the fourth we you know i, I said it again we begin the year with mercury retrograde we end the year with mercury retrograde so mercury going into capricorn here i think it's probably close to its maximum elongation is and is starting to slow down because i know the inferior conjunction ends up being on the solstice around that zero capricorn place and so um as we're heading into that we get that really active full moon opposite mars and then mercury starting to slow down to get ready to go to go retrograde as we get into this um sagittarius season um Venus goes into Scorpio, so they're and it's you know it makes our opposite Jupiter and will end up being opposite Uranus. So Venus will activate that thing again as we go into that. Um, <laughs> Which makes Mercury me just retrograde. think about all the like. I mean, it's holidays, right? It's like mm -hmm. all the buying Venus opposing Jupiter and Taurus, like during <laughs> during you know the holiday season, and then here we have this new moon in. Uh, sag that's mm. pretty much square neptune square while mercury's neptune. going retrograde retrograde yeah i have a feeling there's going to be some mix-ups with uh you know products and packaging and like getting things on time and like you definitely order ahead yeah do your that's... christmas shopping ahead you want to plan ahead plan ahead for the gifts yeah last minute might not work out too well this year yeah. um Especially with the trine, right? Because Mercury goes retrograde, uh, but right before it does, it makes a trine to Jupiter. So, right, we're like buying and buying and buying, and then all of a sudden, it's like this is delayed, this is out of stock, or this mm -hmm. shipped somewhere. You know, like yeah, it's yeah, gonna, that's that's comical. true. <laughs> it's true. Um, I also like it though, just for this particular retrograde. I like that it's yeah, it starts with that trine to Jupiter. That seems. Um, helpful at least for maybe maybe there's something um some especially sometimes sometimes i I think mercury retrogrades can be great when you when you actually have something to work on like a research project or something you're developing you can kind of really because mercury gets so intensified and you can really dig into it during the mercury retrograde and beginning with that trying to jupiter it seems like one of those that that could be the case yeah but it it is a it is it ends up being a, a pretty volatile Mercury retrograde because basically <laughs> if you see Mars back in Sag, um, they're slowly going to come together because Mercury is going backwards, Mars is coming forward, and so by the end of it, they'll Mars and Mercury will be kind of colliding. <laughs> yeah. Um. Eventually, that's not during Sagittarius season, but that's um, yeah. Yeah, that is interesting to think, though, that the um, solstice will have the the Kazemi on it, the yeah. sun, sun Mercury Kazemi. That I feels really very like that. Earth, Earth magician. It's an Earth magician. Again. It's an Earth magician again. Yeah, Earth so magician a, is back. <laughs> and moons in Taurus with Jupiter. It's even more Earth magician. Venus opposite Uranus, trining Neptune. Um. It is definitely the earth magician. And I, this is when you buy your <laughs> gifts like really last minute on the 22nd. And then it just happens to work. You like, you got no, that, 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 that is actually the, the miraculous. Yeah. Like, I don't the, know what I'm going to do. And you're like, through and you didn't think yeah. it was going to make it. And then all of a sudden it all, it arrives all on the same day. And you're like, ah, oh, yes. Or you're just going out to stores last minute yeah. shopping. And it's just like, nail it. <laughs> That's funny. Um, 
But yeah, Mercury will retrograde back into Sagittarius for the end of the year. But you are right. They have basically the the in-between zone from Christmas or um, time to the new year is laden with a Mercury retrograde on <laughs> Mars. So Yeah, which 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 could be um can be a little dangerous, dis- especially yeah, with Mercury detriment and disruptive retrograde. and stuff, but um one thing I, you could also look at that is whatever that is, you know, this would be the version, not the beginning. I was thinking, oh, I really love the solstice new year setup this year. This is a little bit more like it's, it does make me think if you're making those resolutions and, you know, whatever you figure out what you want to do in the year ahead this time next year, that as Mars comes in with Mercury stationing, it could be just like take action on this kind of quality. And what I really like though, is that on the, almost the last day of the year, uh, December 30th, well, December 29th, Venus goes into Sagittarius and the very next day, Jupiter stations direct. So it's like at the end of the year, it, we, we end the year with Jupiter stationing in Taurus. And that means Jupiter's going to move ahead. It's like a one, it's on a one track, one track, one uh, Taurus to, to, track. to Uranus. It's, it's heading, it's going to move straight through to Uranus in the year ahead which will be very innovative. And um, I really like that, that Jupiter's quality of stationing at the end of the year could and be I great, great for up. lots of things. Yeah. yeah. I mean, just talk about it. Talk about the year ahead. Um, and you know, that uh, we always talk about, this is our new year's resolution. This is what we want to yeah. do. To, but there, it really packs a punch this particular year. It feels like, um, and just for those curious that Jupiter, Uranus conjunction will be April 20th, the same day as the eclipse mm. of last year. Uh, that special 420. <laughs> 420. Um, yeah. So, I mean, Gray, what, uh, let's, let's, let's think about this here. We have made it, we have made it through, which is miraculous. Yeah, earlier, another year we've done this, you've asked about the tarot card of the year. I don't know if you've thought of this. And I, I had a moment thinking earlier, what would it be? And I, I had one moment of thinking, I wonder if it would be the strength card. And then actually, before we did this, I have a Leonora uh, Carrington deck, which is all major arcana paintings she's made. And I, I just pulled on to see and I got the moon. And I was like, oh, the moon, I don't know. But then as we were doing it, he kept saying Pisces card. That's Pisces. That's yeah, that's true. That's that's actually a good fit for the moon and working through. But I, as you kept bringing up, I actually now want to go with the magician. Ah, <laughs> you know of that, that earth magician that kept coming up through our talk. That's I, the card I drew today. Oh, okay. <laughs> <for me. laughs> that's All right. Funny. That's, I think that's that's. Can I can I see that one again? Is that, for, is that a raven? Is that a raven? Or I drew the wheel of fortune and the magician. Oh, that's awesome. Well, that really goes with the end of the year ending with um, Mercury, Trine, Jupiter. Yeah. That's uh, there I like it that. I like that. What deck is that? The Brady Tarot. Okay. Yeah. Excellent. These are all, for those watching the video, these are all woodcuts. She, these are all like, yeah, these are all woodcuts that she that's did. That's beautiful. It, yeah. It, and it's all North, it's all North American uh, animals. It's a great deck. Um, well, I really like the spider also as far as with the Wheel of Fortune and the Jupiter um, ruling um, all the Pisces, just sort of 
thinking about what kind of, um, what are you weaving with your web? You know, what are you containing? What's um, interrelationally, what's kind of tugging on that? You know, what are you kind of drawing in and just really paying attention to that? And yeah, the magician card, um, I hadn't thought of that earlier, but going through the year, it, I actually think that's a great card because even though there's volatile stuff, it's also a very dynamic year. And in terms of, um, I know with astrology, it's become increasingly popular to talk about things all about fate and things being faded, but there is the the aspect of how you respond and how do you use your will. And I think this year is a, a really good example of that. And I, so I like that magician card of, of um, in terms of like dealing with all this stuff and, and really, um, yeah, um, asserting yourself, making things happen. Um, well, the ma magician, it, it's all about resourcefulness resourcefulness you know you have all you have your your elements before you how do you choose to use them what do you intend um and are you actively <laughs> you know engaging um with it and yeah especially with that all makes... the taurus resourcefulness yeah there's actually an essay by ursula k le guin that i um that ignota books um who actually have been they invite me to start writing for them. And I've just kind of kept doing it. They have like these full moon journals, but they published a little volume of um, this essay by Ursula K. Le Guin called the carrier bag of fiction that some people may have heard of. And when I realized she wrote it during the balsamic Saturn Neptune in like 1988, when they were like balsamic to one another last time, just like they are going to be now before the conjunction and then I actually just came across a podcast where um, people are, um, um, I think it's called Between the Covers, and the guy that hosts that podcast actually wrote a book with Ursula K. Le Guin, and he made this sort of like tw uh, homage of epi podcast episodes about Ursula K. Le Guin, and I was just listening to the um, the one about the carrier bag of fiction. And so what this, this, this essay is about is... Um, She's on one hand sort of refuting and playing with the idea of like the hero's journey and how everything's all about like the hero or like in 2001 Space Odyssey, like the first tool is like a weapon, like he th throws a bone up in the air and it cuts to like humans dominating outer space. <laughs> like being, Very Martian. Yeah. And kind of like this age, this age <laughs> of air quality of people, the way people are kind of projecting it's going to be. And she challenges that with like, well, the first tool is actually like a carrier bag and people gathering seeds and gathering. And, and, and there's this idea of like what you're containing and collecting. And um, instead of the stories having to be all about conflict, conflict is just actually one aspect of this much larger tapestry and kind of like pulling off of this idea of just everything's about the hero and the but one of the um and one of the previous podcasts they talked about um this idea that um if you don't imagine something of if you don't imagine yourself into the world um, or imagine the reshaping of the world you will be imagined by it and i believe uh those adrian marie brown that was on the show talking about and so that's sort of based on ursula kaylee gwen but that's actually very earth magic yes she has a series called earth sea with a wizard so i feel like they're I'm so, I'm kind of rambling there but i hope that 
pulled it together in, in the that end. Pulled, yeah. I, I think that's very much about what it is. Like really, you know, how do you want to just imagine things to be? And and what what do you want to have happen? Um, there's a lot of people, yeah, saying there's a lot of things that could happen with world events, but, um, and I think with, uh, in addition to that, it's very much about, um, with the Southland and Libra and some of the other things we were talking about, um, gathering other, you know, being in relationship with other people, you know, finding people that are like your allies and supports and community and that kind of thing and develop, developing that this year. Yeah, no, that, that, that feels apropos for just on the form, right? We talked a lot about form um, and, you know, we're not islands. We have to, in order to create things around us, as I say, it takes a village. <laughs> so we have to be in contact with our resources. We have to be in contact with other people um, and we have to be receptive. I feel like that's a big part of this year too, is being able to be receptive and to be the receptacle and to receive and hold, um, to some extent too, which is, is like an internalized process. And it kind of goes back to just the quote that you gave too, with the idea of like, uh, holding the imagination, holding the quality of intention within, because it's easy to think about something for fleeting for a moment or kind of want that, but you have to like, you have to hold on to it. You have to embody it, right? Like that's the idea of like the magician quality is like the intention isn't fleeting. It is consistent. It is like churning and it's like an internal process. And I don't know, I'm kind of rambling a little bit, but like that, the idea of like, that makes perfect sense to me. Yeah. The receptacle of that, but the receptacle I, is a big deal. I feel like, um, for this, this, period. And what I really like about what you were just saying about rece receptacle and receiving is going back to the, the Chinese zodiac perspective of being a yin water rabbit. Also Pisces is a, a not, some people use yin, but it's a nocturnal inward sign. We're getting the Saturn Neptune quality. And the, the, the thing that I like about yin yang is, or just any nocturnal day is that it's intrinsic to creation. And we oftentimes we think about creation is all about like taking action and making something happen, but it, it, it isn't, I mean, that's part of it, but it, it can't, you have to be receiving, you have to be receptive. You, you can't have, you know, day without night or light without darkness or, you know, yang without yin. And so there is that, like we, it is a period where we're going to also have to be uh, spending time within, um, and doing that yeah yeah so open open your receptacle <laughs> 2023 is coming oh yeah be, be careful about what you're yeah and that's why i was saying that too when you were bringing that up earlier about the carrier bag carrier bag is a fiction is theory is that you know what are you being yeah discerning what are you gathering into your into your um your bag or your receptacle, what are those tools and, and really using them, honing your skills on those, knowing what's yours to use. And, you know, maybe there's somebody else that's really good at this other thing, you team up with them or so forth. Yeah. Know, know your strengths. 
you, when you were talking about like that from the magician, you're talking about the the carrier bag. All he could think about was the actually the fool and then the magician, right? Because the fool's carrying the bag, yeah, and it's setting out on its course, which is very Uranian and very kind of Aries in a sense. And that brings in the Uranus, yeah, yeah. All it has is the bag, but I never really thought about what was in the bag. But maybe there's not much in the bag, and it's actually carrying, collecting what the actual tools are going to be when it get when it reaches the point of realizing and that's the magician it's, it has to collect into its receptacle and what it carries in order to then be able to use it and so it's like this first two-step process basically of initiation to the beginning of like all things right which feels very aries taurus and the whole kind of momentum that we were talking about in the eclipses and all that jazz yeah so all right well gray i think we did it yeah i think it's official so um where, where can people find you what do you got going on oh gray crawford.net g-r-a-y crawford.net is my website and i did do that saturn uh neptune and pisces talk already that you can buy from my site i'm going to be doing it again actually for uh wasa the washington state astrology organization i think in february and that's going to be i think me talking in person and they're going to be virtually streaming it at the same time Mm. um which they're also going to be doing at norwak later in may and i will be at that too in case you want to go to norwak which is in seattle um last weekend of may there's a lot of really great astrologers that will be there. And that's an in-person one you can go to, but they're also making that this interesting virtual in-person hybrid. So if you can't travel to Seattle area, you can still attend it um, virtually. And if that's the only way you can be there, I'd love to see people there for that. And I'll be doing other things. I'm actually thinking of doing a little course about Saturn, Neptune, and how to work with it sort of in preparation as we lead into the Saturn entering Pisces. And if you're interested in that, just subscribe to my blog and, um, or join my Patreon or email me, but that hasn't been totally announced or completely sure I'm going to do it, but I have some ideas about <laughs> it that I've been, that I've been thinking about. I just need to make sure I really have enough time to do it and everything. Yeah. Well, wait with bated breath. As, yeah. uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I love it. All right. Well, you'll always be able to find Gray over at my website, energeticprinciples.com, where I'll post a blog post about uh, this episode here and some of the details of 2023. I'll also post a link to, to uh, Gray's talk um, if you want to check that out. You can also find me on social media, Energetic Principles, um, although I admit I have not been active. I, I'm i feeling the pull away from it too, or maybe I'm just focused on other things, but you might find me there. I do like to post stories. <laughs> I'm not so much on the grid these days, but I do like to post my stories. So definitely check there. Um, what else is going on? I think that's it right now. I think that is it. And that's enough. Yeah, that's yeah. definitely that's that's it. <laughs> so, all right. Well, if you liked what you heard here today, you know, leave a comment. Um, if you're watching this on YouTube, tell us what you think is involved in the year of 2023 or the impressions you took away from our talk here today, or leave a uh review 
reviews at moment. Yeah. <laughs> Wherever you listen to this podcast, if you're listening to the audio. Um, and yeah, I think that share it with a friend. Share it with a friend. Share it with a friend who has a long attention span, who is patient and likes to listen to astrology. Um, yeah, you can break this one down into a couple installments too. A few yeah. installments. Yeah. I do plan on putting little time markers on YouTube. Uh, I can't do that for the podcast, but I can do that for YouTube. So I hope you appreciate that. But Gray, you know, always a pleasure. I'm glad four years in a row. Congratulations to us. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for having me on here again. It's been, been great. Yeah, absolutely. You are welcome back. Well, to 2024, I'll cross my fingers. <laughs> All right, everyone. Well, thank you for tuning in to us for this long period of time. We wish you the best in the new year ahead. And as always, may the stars be with you. Mm-hmm.